Uh, I am recording, if you are. Yes, sir. Uh, Close down. I got some good stuff here on Phrase Find, good. as I am wont to do before we record. You know what I want to do is set up a, uh, a shortcut, although I don't think Shortcuts is an app on whatever OS I'm running, Big Sur. I don't think Shortcuts exists on Big Sur. I'll check the app, uh, app but I did a, uh, no, I don't see it here. And let's check utilities. No. Nope. I haven't yeah. used Shortcuts on the Mac much, right. but I was listening to a podcast today, and they were, uh, it, was a, it was a tech podcast, and they're just talking about, oh, uh, roast my iPad home screen. <laughs> and a couple of them do the pod from their iPads, and they have Shortcuts set up where they click the shortcut and it puts their their notes on their google docs on one side of the screen uh the the like whatever facetime however they call on the other split screen on that it was like they had a whole shortcut for podcasting i was like oh shit i want to do that yeah I'm gonna do something like that but um i ended up just reading an article instead <laughs> mostly because i <laughs> the, didn't get uh, distracted huh? see the shortcut thing yeah, yeah yeah but i did come across this article uh it, it, this is so fun when was the first time you learned what a group of crows was called. Oh, it had to be on Reddit, and it was when they were doing like, "Hey, here's all of the different groups of animals and what their oh, interesting titles okay. are." Okay, this is so, very much a very similar article. All right, um, I, I learned about it on a crow left of the murder, the Incubus album. Oh, okay. And I was like, "What?" And uh, <laughs> that was when I learned that a, a, a group of crow was called a murder of crows. But yes, there is there's a whole bunch of them. This this is not uh, Reddit, but this is readable.com oh, okay but it is a murder of crows and other odd collective nouns and you know you got the you kind of want to scroll the reddit post was probably a little better but this is like a convocation of eagles an exaltation of larks what do you think a conspiracy is oh a conspiracy oh that sounds something something spooky um it is I it's would, funny it actually mm, works i don't know why i think of these as being spooky animals like um penguins <laughs> <laughs> you Don't know, like they're always spooky. up to something. No, this is a conspiracy <laughs> of ravens. Uh, wait, a, wait, 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 wait. Is this going to get into one of those ravens, blackbirds, jackdaw, crow things? Aren't ravens and crows the same thing? Whoa. All right. Hold on. Digress. Let us digress from this digression here. Mm -hmm. Raven versus crow. A raven differs from a crow in appearance by their larger bill, tail shape, flight pattern, and their large size. Ravens are as big as red-tailed hawks. Oh, okay. And crows okay. are about the size of pigeons. Oh. I think a crow is a little larger than a pigeon, but, I mean, a hawk can devour a pigeon. Whole, right. So, <laughs> so you're saying that uh, crows are the ones that are picking the trash bag out of our blue can on a Friday morning, and the ravens are the ones that are looking at them going... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Silly bird. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, and then, uh, let's see. You've got a charm. What do you think a charm is? Oh, that sounds like... Are, are, we, on, are we on the bur our bird kick? It kind of is. Okay, I'm going to say a charm. I'm going to say sparrows. Uh, finches. Oh, okay. Charm of <laughs> This is great. Uh, how about... Well, let's go backwards. What do you think a group of falcons is called? Oh, God. A squadron? <laughs> <laughs> I love that. No, it's a cast. Ooh, of, cast. Uh, oh, I love it. Oh man. Oh my goodness. A confusion of Oh, dude, a confusion of Oh, um Oh, what's this? I, I feel like a silly bird. Um <laughs> I mean, it's a silly name. It's uh, like who did this? Really? Uh gosh. How about 
Is it? And it's a bird, right? This is a bird. I realized I'm in the bird. I'm a, I would uh, just say, how about what was the word? Uh, uh, confusion. A confusion of uh, woodpeckers. Warblers. We're <sighs> in the W family. Well, let's get out of okay, this. So right. You've got um, uh, a bale of. <laughs> you know, I want to say hey, uh, a bale <laughs> of um, cows. <laughs> no, a bale of turtles. Um, <laughs> Terrible. Oh, how about this? A shiver of. Oh gosh. Um, now narwhals. This is this is. Oh no, I was gonna say go with alliteration here. Oh, a shiver of. Um, oh god, give me a hint on what kind of animal, and I'll give you a sh. It is a water creature. Oh, uh, shellfish. <laughs> god damn it, shiver of sharks. Okay, um, I'll give you one last one. I, I gave you something that was in the water. And I'll give start- you one last one. I'll give right, you fine. one last one. A game of. Ah, a game of. Thrones. <laughs> God damn it. It's a game of pricks. This is Jimmy E. Oh, baby. <laughs> oh, man. You even what fed it to me. Setup. What, what a setup. A you fed setup. it to me. Spoon fed me, David. A mm. bloat of hippos, a flamboyance of flamingos, a basque of crocodiles. Cro- what the hell? Crocodiles? Uh, as crocodiles ever since oh, crocodiles uh, i think you said crocodiles like crab apples oh, crocodile <laughs> oh crocodile got it oh yeah crocodile a from last week of apes a barrel of monkeys jeez and, an and you know what you had me all you had me all flaz, flabbergasted and and uh, frazzle like i didn't pick a up flabbergast on your, of flamingos <laughs> I, I did not pick up on your game of pricks but there we go yeah here we are Oh, boy. Uh, we did not do any Patreon episode last week, but boy, did we go down a rabbit hole. Yes, of, we uh, Some did. fun stuff, which led to some fun conversations that were had with uh-huh. certain former band members of this band. <laughs> um, so, uh, very exciting. Uh, yes. Uh, and- things afoot. <laughs> yeah, with, uh, I don't know how many uh, how many hints we've given out, or, or uh, how many teasers we've provided but it's yeah. it's exciting as far as who we yeah. who we've been able to uh i was so in. excited i i drank a very large dark beer last night why uh because of this person's name <laughs> <laughs> i got it so yours <laughs> i love damn if, if we were playing a board game now the, everything would be flying over my head and you would just be saying justin <laughs> get your shit together <laughs> Um, oh, and I did want to point out this. That being said, we have a list of now about 10 people that have all this knowledge of the show, uh, 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 of the band that we don't have, and have listened and have yelled at their headphones with corrections. Oh, yeah. And, Justin, if only we had a phone number where people could call <laughs> and we could hear, hear them, them yelling, yelling at, at their radio or <laughs> Their earphones or earbuds. Yeah, four e four j e pod. It's so easy, and you know what? I'll tell you what. Here's a here's a um, here's another clue. It doesn't ring. It just goes straight to voicemail. You don't yeah. even have to worry there's about no, us picking yeah, it up. There's no like you, your butt isn't gonna like yeah. pucker up because you feel like oh fuck is somebody gonna pick up? No, no. It's we set it to no ringing. Yeah, STVM man, straight to voicemail. No ringy. No, you get never no ringy. <laughs> you get our. Uh, 96 kilobits per second delivery. <laughs> we really did like kind of tweak the volume. To I make know, sure right? That it didn't like peak too much, and you could kind of hear what was happening. Right, and I would, you know, I would love for people just to hear that 
I mean, yeah. you might have gotten. Oh yeah, a, there's a really fun voicemail. When did we redo that? Did we redo it or we re? I don't think we redid it. it. I was just thinking we redid it, but no, we didn't. We redid the preview episode. That's what but it was. It's more in line with what's at the voicemail. Yeah. Oh, which is great. <laughs> oh, I um, love it. So there it is. Any uh, other housekeeping that you can think of? Um, oh, um, uh, just I mean, all the other shows that have been announced since. Yeah, they've done and, oh, that. Susie but I think, and I, we did not end up getting tickets to when we were young fest, which we were very much on the fence. We were like, this is not going to be an ideal scenario, yeah. but it will be a lot of fun. But instead, we saved money and we are planning to go to a show at the Caverns in Tennessee. Great. Which is very exciting. We're going to go to a state, city, and venue we've never been to before to see full sets from both Jimmy World and Dashboard. Fantastic. And, uh, save money uh in the in in the process so that's very i mean maybe with babysitters and stuff we won't but uh, <laughs> we'll see it a lot sooner than the, the, else, although you know it's getting postponed so yeah well i don't know about that the show itself will be amazing two full sets from these bands that you love I'm so i mean getting I, COVID. I love dash <laughs> I'm so getting COVID at the show <laughs> Yeah, pulling down the mask. In this huh? musky, oh yeah, damp cave. Is this air recycled? Can it be, please? <laughs> Can it be? <laughs> you oh, live man. dangerously. Oh yeah, there's nothing else I can think of though. As far as um, yeah, as far I don't think we have anything to follow up on. All right, sweet. Yeah, um, here is what I got uh, from the. Uh, the information I I had gathered. Game of Pricks is from the Bleed American Deluxe, the Good to Go EP, the Middle European CD, which had a CD-ROM of the Middle video, and the Future Soundtrack for America comp. Um, on disc two of the Bleed American Deluxe, it was track nine of 18. It's two of seven on the Good to Go EP. It's three of three on the Middle European CD single, and... The feature soundtrack for America, it is uh, track three of 22. Uh, the release date, um, the, the the release date I have closest to when the song was recorded is February 21st, 2002, which was the Good to Go EP. Oh, okay. Bleed American Deluxe came much, much later. And uh, middle European single, as far as I saw, was just 2002. Like, I didn't have much information about it. Or, wait, let me, let me, let me go to it. Let me not lie. Let me not. Yeah, all it says is 2001, so I guess the middle European single. But that must have been late 2001 because uh, this was recorded at BBC Radio 1 evening session. It was produced and mixed by Mike Walter. It was assisted by Jamie Hart. The first transmission date was October 29th, 2001. So that was the first transmission date. Might not have been recorded then, right. but we know that they were on Loveline uh, here in the States at the beginning of October. Um, and they were preparing to go overseas. So it was in October. We're pretty sure that they recorded it. Right. Released by arrangement with BBC Music. Uh, to co Copyright 2001. It's like a, it's not a copyright. It's a P-Circle. What's a P-Circle? A P-Circle? That sounds like something, yeah. <laughs> something a bunch of this dudes would be versus, participating uh, in. <laughs> uh, P versus... Uh, how do you do copyright? Yeah, option G. A P in a circle is referred to as the phonogram sound record, phono record, phonogram. Yeah. Huh. Look at that. News. Today I learned. Huh. Uh, so phonographic right, 2001 BBC. All right. 
Uh, also, uh, what do I have here? Ah, this is uh, from the Bleed American. I don't think there's any information here, but from the Bleed American Deluxe uh, liner notes, uh, it does say Game of Pricks Radio 1 session produced and mixed Mike Walter for BBC Radio 1 evening session assisted by Jamie Hart. First broadcast October 29, 2001, issued on The Middle. DreamWorks UK 450 848-2 2001 phonograph copyright uh, 2001 BBC Music. I've never seen the phonographic copyright. Me neither. The P? No. Nah. Is that a UK thing? Uh, it, well, it came up on that UK copyright symbol, right? It might might be. Yeah. Huh. Never seen it before. Uh, writing, writing credits for this song, Robert E. Pollard Jr. Need more songs slash songs of Universal Inc. BMI. And that is uh, the lead singer of the band Guided by Voices, of whom uh, this is a cover. Uh, singer of this track is Jim, uh, known feature that I'm aware of, uh, I, I guess we'll call it DreamWorks, um, uh, we know who has the phonographic copyright, yep. uh, there's no demo, it just is, there are two versions of the Guided by Voices song that we'll listen to later, um, played, I only have one concert, uh, and both concerts are labeled either Jim or Go Big Casino, um, so I think it was a Go Big Casino show, um, uh, and that was in December of 2001. We'll hear a little bit of that. Uh, notable high note G4 and F sharp 4. No notable notes noted. Now, God, the last FM posting on this was such a mess. <sighs> yes, so tell you're going to have it. to add a couple thousand to these numbers. Sure. But I did combine as many postings as I could. So let's okay. call it 20.8 thousand listeners, 59.7 thousand scrabbles, and I am spread across four of those entries at 23 lists. Oh, uh, okay. I only came across two. Which other ones do you have? I have Game of Pricks. Oh, my Pricks, God. Justin, I Pricks probably Radio. came across... <laughs> I probably came across 20 postings of this. Uh, yeah. Some had, like, 50 Scrabbles. Some had a couple hundred Scrabbles, somewhere in the 2000s. But there were three that were in the tens of thousands. So I combined most of those um, to get my numbers. Okay. And then, I mean, one yeah, one of my postings was... I don't know how to pull them all up. I, I searched Jimmy Eat World Game of Pricks in quotes on Last FM, and I yeah. came up and I opened every page. Um, and I'm telling you, it was like 20 entries. It was such a mess. This is definitely like one of those that got passed around a zillion times before it came out right. on an actual release, and it was just too late. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, structure. Uh, it's an A major key, 11B cam lot, 143 BPM, and 155 duration. This song is so fun. I love the vocal melody, and I can't believe this is live. Right? It's so good. Yeah, it is. It's damn um, good. So, yeah. Um, without any further ado, Justin, would you like to get into lyrics? Yes. And I tried not to look at song meanings because this was a cover. So I did my best to just do this if I was doing Guided by Voices or Jimmy Eat World. Um, and so bear with me as we run through these. Uh, I got the lyrics from Genius. Uh, let me see what was on. Was there anything on Genius? I don't believe there was. There were no comments. Nope, no comments there. So this is going to be full Justin Miller here. All right, here we go. I've waited too long to have you hide in the back of me. Sounds like... I've waited too long to have you hide in the back of me. It sounds like someone riding somebody else's coattails, but in a negative way. Hide in the back of me, almost like I'm taking the brunt of this. Mm. Um, and you are just, 
following me, uh, following perhaps following their bad habits. This this person in front is doing things poorly, looking back and saying, are you following my every move here? Um, so I've waited too long to have you hide in the back of me. I've cheated so long, I wonder how you keep track of me. I've been doing the wrong things for so long, trying to break anybody from following my path, that I'm surprised you've been able to stay on my tail. You're the one... Uh, following me still, even through all this uh, this negativity that I've uh, developed um, and and all of these bad choices that I've made, you're still following me. So almost it's there's and there's no appreciation for this person just yet. It's kind of saying, um, I'm surprised you're here. Why are you here? Like almost disgust. Like why are you? Mm. I I've, I've cheated for so long. Why are you still doing this? Uh, and then um, maybe what's considered is this the chorus then? Uh, yeah. I didn't uh, notate I like that. It's, yeah, it's interesting. It feels like a pre-chorus. Right. That's what it feels like to me. So, you can never be strong. You can only be free. Stop doing as I do. You need to stand up for yourself and move on. So, you can never be... Maybe that's the... Trying to light a fire under their butts is you can never be strong. I'm telling you, you're going to be weak. You can only be free. You can be free of me, free of following me and my choices and these decisions that I'm making. Be your own person. Trying yeah. to argue it's, with him. It's interesting now that you ask, because I didn't notate the lyrics in this way, but it's almost like there's a pre-chorus and a post-chorus and no actual chorus. Yeah, um, I think you're which right. Which it is track seven of 28 on the record that it's on, Yeah, uh, which we'll get into in a minute, but uh, lots of short songs on that record. This yeah. one's less than two minutes, so it's like, you know, don't bore us, skip the chorus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and a, and a few of the um, a few of the actual Guided by Voices covers that i came across people had remarked about they go i love these quick ones these quick uh quick you know one and done fast yeah. songs because most of the most of the covers were a minute 50 to two minutes okay so we've got this thing this post chorus yeah no boris uh and i've never asked for the truth but you owe that to me uh this and now it sounds like anger or frustration that this person has has uh, resolved to understanding that both parties have been lying in the past myself and this other individual owning up to that would be the truth that they're waiting for you owe me the truth be honest with me if you're going to follow me and my footsteps and my choices you got to be honest with me at the very least I'm, if i'm going to turn around and see you following me i'm going to need you to be on the same level even though it's <laughs> even though the yeah. games that he's playing are probably negative it's just i want you on the same uh, same level so then we go into verse two. And here we go. The, the title of this track shows up in this. I've entered a game of pricks with knives in the back of me. Uh, and with my thought of this is uh, the game of pricks sounds to me like this is some huge game. It's, it's almost like uh, don't hate the player, hate the game, that kind of game. This yeah. is a game that is just played by humans. Uh, and I Human. Humans. But I thought of Dark Helmet in Spaceball saying uh, I, I'm surrounded by assholes uh-huh right so I'm I've entered I'm entered in this game of pricks with knives in the back of me so I'm I'm surrounded by all these people who are doing the same playing the same game that I'm playing saying the same things and, and per- perceiving them everyone else the same way with knives in the back of me I've already been you know I, I walked into this room expecting to be um had and these people are stabbing me in the back this is this mm-hmm. is what I I've made my bed Right, and this is what I'm playing in now. Is now I'm I'm in this game of pricks. So can't call you or on you've known. Can't call you or on you've known. Um, a while they're attacking me. So I think that's a pause there. Can't call on you 
or on, you've known a while they're attacking me. Maybe that's how it's actually oh, said. Oh, interesting. Phrased. You know what? I'm going to go to the Guided by Voices wiki and check the lyrics yeah, there check while that out. we continue. Yeah. Okay. So in this line, I think they're just saying, you're as bad as them. I can't rely on you. You knew that they were lying to me this whole time. You're aware. Everyone's sort of aware of what everyone else is doing here, stabbing one another in the back cheating on on one another and this is just this whole huge game of pricks um, and pricks being the if we're going to go to urban dictionary like a prick is is like a dick or um a jerk yep uh someone who is not behaving properly so this game of pricks it's just a bunch of it's a big game of jerks and okay uh and then this last unique verse here is i'll climb up on the house weep to water the trees and I think this is that individual letting this other person in this scenario know that sometimes I just need to get alone. Like I need to go find a place that I'm alone. That's climbing up on the house, but I'm gonna go, go cry up on the, the house, on the roof in my solitude. And that in, because the tears drop down the roof onto the, the plants, it's almost like if nobody knew that there was someone- That's a dope lyric, I right, really if, like if it. If nobody knew that there was someone crying on the roof, Everything else looks beautiful. It's they're watering the trees. the The scene is is gorgeous. It's it's this well manicured lawn. But what's feeding the lawn? It's the tears of somebody that's up on this roof alone. And that's a that's a unique way. In two lines, I'll climb up on the house, weep to water the trees. In my opinion, of saying that my tears are maybe either making other people happy or they go unheard. Like no one's gonna know that I was up on that roof crying. Sure. And then the second half of this is, and when you come calling me down, I'll put on my disease. And in this, these last two lines, I think they're brought down from their perch, their uh, their solitude yeah. up on that. They're put back on their game face, and now they have to play the prick. I'll put on my disease, which is this is me being the jerk again. I'm gonna I'm back to the game of pricks. So it's an interesting yeah. song. I don't think there's any happiness in it whatsoever. It's very much just. No. Um, look, I'm in this game that everyone else is playing, and you, I can see you're here too with me, and we're very aware that of one another's presence. And uh, I, I think there's one call here to them being truthful. You can never be strong. You can only be free. I've never asked for the truth, but you owe that to me. Um, yeah, that's the one call out to this individual. Other than that, it's not like it's kind of just saying how sad are we. <laughs> so here is the lyric, and I actually really like it. Can't call you or on you no more when they're attacking me. Oh, okay. I can't no. call you and I can't call on you. No is more. essentially what it's saying. No more when they're attacking me. Can't okay. call you or on you no more when they're attacking me. Got it. Interesting lyric. Can't call you or on, on you, you no more when yeah. they're attacking me. So it's, yeah, they can't even rely on this other. So it, uh, yeah, I guess I grasp the same thing as you're as bad as them. I can't rely on you. So there you have it. That's a game of pricks. So yes, not not and a very positive tune. No, let's listen to the original version. So this was uh, oh, let me open up a uh, a watch together. And there are two versions of this. The first version came out uh, in April fourth, nineteen ninety five. Recorded in ninety four. Uh, it is the record. Is 28 tracks, it's 41 minutes. <laughs> Whoa, okay. that's it's so It's a Matador short. release produced by Mr. Japan at Collider XL. Alien Lanes is the eighth full-length album by American lo-fi band Guided by Voices released April 4th, 1995. Um, and you've got Robert Pollard, Tobin Sprout, 
Jim Pollard, Mitch Mitchell, that's a great name, Kevin Fennell, Jim Greer, and Greg Demos, or Demos. Um, so let me start up this room and we'll listen to the original version. I was like, oh, cool. When I listened to this, I was like, oh, neat. Jimmy will put their own spin on it. <laughs> they and did. And uh, I realized that actually Guided by Voices re-recorded the song yeah, for seven were... inch later that same year. Right. And there were a couple of comments that uh, like the purists were saying, no, nah, I like the other version better than that re-recording. Oh, of course. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Which they're entitled to their opinion. Okay. All right. Get rid of the llama here. I'm going to paste in the original Guided by Voices Game of Pricks from. Oh, here, we can listen to him sing that part. So it's one of those interesting vocal melodies where they kind of, kind of like you said, it's like, it's kind of like flowing into the next line a little bit. Yeah. Uh, So let's listen to the version from Tiger Bomb. And Tiger Bomb was uh, released November 14th, 1995. So... Uh, what, what is that? Eight months later. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, this EP is 13 minutes, 11 seconds. Also a Matador Records release. And uh, we will see that this sounds a lot more like the Jimmy Eat World version. baseline I see how they made the lyrical mistake yeah you can hear it huh uh, yeah yep but uh yeah man it's great now where is this band from uh, got it by voices. Should have looked at all. I that. would venture a guess at <laughs> England. I would hope. So. I, I I would think so as well. But let's take a look. Uh, American indie rock band formed oh, in Dayton, Ohio. Uh, look at that. Yeah, Dayton. I was like, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I was like, the oh my god, there are seventeen thousand past members in this band. <laughs> um, but uh, basically, they were formed in the early eighties and eighty three. Early years are considered 83 to 91. Then there was a lo-fi era from 92 to 96. Then they went major in 97 to 2001. 
they had the latter years in 2002 to 2004. Then there was post Guided by Voices. Uh, I'm not sure why. Oh, uh, this DVD comes up. There was a uh, there was the final show at the Metro in Chicago, uh, December 31st, 2004. Then there was a bunch of post work, and then in 2010 they got back together. Uh, there was a reunion until 2014, and then they uh, once again disbanded and they canceled the tour dates. And then, uh, and that was a pretty abrupt uh, secession from the band. And then there was another reunion in 2016. Um, and uh, they're still together from that reunion. Um, so much so, in 2019, the band released Zeppelin Over China, Warped, and Wolf, and Sweating the Plague. And in 2020, went on to release three more albums, Surrender Your Poppy Field, Mirrored Aztec, and Styles We Paid For. Jesus, what a <laughs> prolific band. Yeah. Um, I know nothing about this band. Uh, you the know, most so, I know is that we've mentioned them on the pod because it's a list of bands that they've covered. Right. I would be remiss if I did not mention that uh, my first uh, introduction to this came from the one and only Ken Powers at uh, Cal State Northridge. So he was in the... You were in TV production, right? Yeah. So I was in multimedia, and the story with, my, with, with me went like this. Uh, I came on to study voice at CSUN, and the it, the individual that was going to be drafting me in or whatever onboarding me, she said, um, "You need one. You're missing one year of personal instruction, which I would have to actually have somebody come with me and, and teach me in person." And and she's like, you, "You're never gonna unless you want to wait a year. You're not gonna be able to come in." So then she worked with me on getting into the multimedia. Well, later on, after I moved into the multimedia program. Uh, I, I can't remember exactly how this conversation went, but I spoke with Ken Powers. I met him on campus, and we talked, and I described this program to him. And he goes, that sounds really interesting, because he was into music production. He had his, um, and I think it was Ken Powers and the Sunrays. Oh, God, I, if he hears this, it, it, kill me. Um, and so he had a few albums that he put out, but one of his, a, a, he didn't like Elvis Costello, but he loved Guided by Voices. And I think they were a big influence on his songwriting. And so the albums that I purchased from him, his, you know, his EPs and his, uh, the stuff, very in line with Guided by Voices. So I've always associated this band with him. And then when I saw them on Scrubs or heard it on Scrubs, it was just this whole thing around this mid-2000s that, uh, like 2005-ish, that I just associate with CSUN, this band, nice. and then Ken Powers. So... I, th that was my introduction to this band. Uh, I never really listened to much more than a couple of tracks, um, Hold On Hope and then this. But I think there's a lot of people, when I when I looked at the covers and what people were saying about the band, is there's there's a certain group that appreciates the lo-fi, like in the first version of the song that we listened to. They appreciate that type of songwriting from Guided by Voices. And then there's other people that like the polished that came a couple years later. It's interesting because I think they both the 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 second the re-recorded version sounds so much more polished. Like you can hear yeah. that he's just elongating the word "o" as opposed to like whatever I thought he was saying in the lo-fi version. Yeah. Um, but I think it reminds me a lot of um, uh, the Dandy Warhols. Yeah. A little bit. Um, and the only reason I know Dandy Warhols is because a friend of mine that's probably into Guided by Voices introduced me to them when we were cutting our film in high school, and we used all dandy warhol's music and courtney taylor was like her muse <laughs> um and uh uh yeah oh you know what we should do i pulled three clips 
Oh yeah, uh, on Frame.io. Ready to go. Let's listen to Jim, who is one huge Guiding by Voices fan, specifically Robert Pollard and his songwriting. So let's hear uh, a few episodes there. And I left the guest name in the title so you can hear who he's talking Got to. Got it. Um, okay, great. So here we go. This is with uh, JMJ. And then you end up with some with with um, an entity like Guided by Voices, which... <laughs> What, but the thing is, like, I think they they work and their music transcends because they don't care. Yeah, <laughs> they're not even a, they're not even trying to play the game, and I think that's no. that's attractive. So so attractive. Uh, that's the first little clip of uh, them. So they they go on all of these episodes. These are all from pa- past through frequencies. So that's the JMJ episode. They go on a little bit more about it, but it's all not really all that interesting. I really wanted to get the essence of why Jim specifically likes this band and Robert Pollard. Okay. Uh, so let's listen to the next clip. I think okay. the Get Up Kids. Guy. Yeah, Matt Pryor. Yep, Robert Pollard. Yeah, from Got Up by Voices. He he's arguably arguably one of the most prolific songwriters of our generation. He's like he has like a million band names. Yeah, and it, and it's like, what does that band sound like? So he instantly see writes a song around what that band would sound like, and then uses it for either his thing or Got Up by Voices or or whatever. So that's like if I can if I can trick myself into thinking I'm I'm not that there's no reason for this. Then it, I can follow the idea in a pure way and actually complete something. <laughs> <laughs> so he'll go into more of that idea of how, like Robert Pollard, can take on all of these identities uh, musically. Um, in this last clip, he talks about that. All right, with Bob Nana from Braden Hay yeah. Mercedes, and, and Bob Nana, I believe, is probably just as big a fan as Jim is here because they kind of go toe to toe a little bit. Okay, I know that you. Are a big guided by voices fan. Oh yeah, you got to get Robert Pollard up and up on your podcast here. I don't think he's been on any podcast. No, I asked, I asked, and they said that he doesn't. He he just hasn't done a real interview in fifteen years. It's just kind of a blanket, a blanket policy. Don't take it personally. He just doesn't do them. Oh yeah. okay. Even if it's like legit about his songwriting, which we could just stick to that. Oh yeah. I I'm mean, just dude, generally talk about, interested. Talk about like prompts for songwriting. I mean. Like, oh, exactly. You misread a street sign and that's a song. <laughs> you know, one of the interviews I did read of him, and it makes sense, too. It's like he, he would just be constantly thinking of new band names. And then, <laughs> and then well, if you have the suitcase stuff, I mean, that's basically like, yeah. what, what do all these bands, like, this is a great idea for a band name. I wonder what that band sounds like. And then you write a song based on what you think that band might sound like. So interesting. Yeah. I love that idea. And is it Robert Pollard then? Am I saying it right? I, I tried to look at sure. the pronunciation. Okay, Robert Pollard. Sure. Uh. I'll trust Bob Nana. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> right. Uh, Jim Atkins. <laughs> um, so uh, this is interesting. Uh, like I said, the version that they recorded was re- uh, originally aired October 29th, 2001, which is only a couple weeks after Loveline. However, there is this other version, and I haven't found any proof that this recorded version is any different but justin if i were to ask you who produced love line maybe you oh. couldn't come up with it it's a, it's a production of oh gosh at the I... end of the show when adam says uh uh you know uh the show is produced by something melina and blah 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 and recorded at oh gosh i don't know uh westwood one um I thought you would remember that. So Westwood One, huge, huge, huge radio conglomerate, and that is where uh, Loveline was recorded uh, back in the day. 
And so there is something called absolutely live in the zone. And it's a like Westwood one CD. And it says the weekend of June 15th and 16th, 2002 show number two twenty four, disc one of two. And the very first song on this CD, it's not like a, I don't think it's a real release, uh-huh. um, but it looks like, uh, I'll, I'll send you the link here. It looks like, you know, something that radios stations passed around in the early aughts when they would say, oh, hey, here's your uh, here's your radio show for this weekend. Go ahead and put it on. Um, and I do remember, like, if you listened really late at night after Loveline, there was either Rodney or The Rock or there was this thing where they would play old band. Uh, they would play live shows of bands. And I remember I recorded an entire boxcar racer set that has now been bootlegged because it's like one of the only good board records of boxcar racer ever released. But I remember recording it uh, off the radio because they were playing it and they would play. I would always tune in and hope they were going to play Blink or some band. I, I heard Foo Fighters and it would be like at midnight to 1 a.m. on the radio. But anyway, the first track on this absolutely live in the zone is Jimmy Eat World Game of Bricks. Yeah. And I'm like, is this a different version of the song? There's not a runtime here. Um, I couldn't find any other version of this song anywhere. Um, and uh, I don't think anybody's selling it. Let me add this to my want list. But uh, I don't think, yeah, it's not being sold in the store anywhere. But I did ask the collector's uh, channel on uh, the Discord. So we'll see if anybody comes up with this. But... My guess is because it's not in our collector's folder that nobody has it or it's not different. But they, the there's four songs there. Game of Pricks, The Middle, Salt, Sweat, Sugar, Bleed American, and a praise chorus. Then there's like 12 Blink songs, which is great. Um, pretty sure I've heard all these. Um, and then four Radiohead songs at the end. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm really interested to know if this is the same version of Game of Pricks that we have that we're referencing yeah. or if there is another live version of the song out there somewhere i uh so i did when you were mentioning the absolutely live in the zone i had uh just did a quick google search just to see what came up and the top result was uh various absolutely live in the zone westwood one radio networks uh, 02-52 the one you sent me was 02-24 i don't know if it's sequential but it does say released in 2002 and it has a very... Yeah, this makes sense because this is uh, uh, six months after that one or whatever. Okay. Yeah, because this one had Hoobastank, uh, Foo Fighters, Papa Roach. Yeah. But then I looked at the bottom and you can see down where it says companies, etc. cetera. Uh, that are, again, the phonographic copyright from Westwood One <laughs> shows up. Right. It seems to... I don't know if it's one of those things where I'm just noticing it now that you've mentioned it. But yeah, right. that's the first time I think I've... Noticed. As far as I know, Westwood One is a U.S.-based right. company. I was wondering and if there was anything different from what you had sent me, which doesn't have any kind of copyright information at the bottom. Yeah. So if anybody knows 484JEPOD, let us know Please. what you know about uh, this, uh, this, this release. Um, and uh, maybe we can get to the bottom of it. Yeah. Uh, okay, so uh, next is uh, another weird one. Uh, Jimmy Eat World, Bleed American, Interscope Records, Tiny Evil, Japan, Bleed American, bonus disc version, October 13th, 2004, bonus disc, track three of 10 on disc two, Game of Pricks, live from the 930 Club. So 
but also Bleed American, the Authority song are on here. And what else was on that live in the zone? Uh, Bleed American and they didn't do Authority song on that. So was there a version at the 930 Club that was recorded? And we only have the the two versions or just one. Is it just the one? I version? only have one version. One version I have a, right? I have a Go Big Casino version. That's, you know. Right. But, uh. Yeah, but it just says extra disc with several other bonus tracks, live performances, and videos. Second disc is only mentioned on the OBI and not on the back cover of this release. But I'm, let me look at more images and see, does it say? Yeah, the bonus disc doesn't have any information. Uh, hold on. Oh, nope, nope, nope. Okay. Uh, solved. Uh, the back sleeve does say Radio 1 session oh, okay. next to Game of Pricks. However, whoever transcribed it, to English on Discogs database did not uh, change that. I wonder if I can edit this page. Not that I can see, but uh, yeah, interesting. Yeah, I was I was interested to see if there was a potential third <laughs> live performance of this because I didn't have any information that they ever played this live uh, at a show. Um, uh, and then I did, I did, cause there's live at La Scala, which is a very famous Jimmy world bootleg. Uh, and it's on that as well, uh-huh. but it does say BBC evening session is oh. the second track, <laughs> uh, on that. It's like bonus tracks are one and two, the middle acoustic and game of pricks BBC. And then live at La Scala starts with goodbye sky Harbor. Uh, and they close with Phoenix. Um, uh, Phoenix sweetness, um, <laughs> recorded, recorded at Scala, London, um, black slipcase recorded at La Scala, London, November, 2001. So that was only a couple weeks after the game of pricks was recorded at all. So it's all on that same UK trip. Uh, most likely, um, I do have, Oh, uh, why did I put set list from that show? I do want to talk about the set list from the go big casino show. Um, uh, I have more notes, but I feel like I'm talking a lot. You got any Let's notes? Let's see. Um, you know what? I, did? I couldn't find much. And the reason why I didn't get a lot was just because I tried to stay away from the content that was uh, surrounded uh, around Guided by Voices. There wasn't much as far as Jimmy Eat World went, you know, like when I look for article content. So yeah. I don't have much. So any of this stuff, this is fine. If we can go through this and, and dissect these uh, the live shows and figuring out what albums actually yeah. had what content. I'm fine with it. So keep going. Oh, okay. Uh, this is a, uh, this is, I trolled. I really, really looked on the old websites, the archived websites. Then I found one little thing, but it's not much. It's, it's just about as good as the audio clips we pulled from, uh, pass through frequencies, uh-huh. except this is 15 years earlier. Uh, this is November 15th, 2004. Jim wrote on their blog. All right. Columbus was good. We always seem to have fun here. By far, this crowd was the most up for it. I've seen from our Eastern shows. What the hell do you call Ohio anyway? It's about <laughs> as East Coast as Arizona is West Coast. I wouldn't call it Midwest. Heartland? Middle East? I don't know. Sorry. I do like it here. We just got off stage, and I'm in a weird mood, trying to get this together because there are six different Wi-Fi networks. We played across the street once at Ohio State. I remember that show especially well because it was also Greg Demo's last show with Guided by Voices. They made a DVD of that day called who went home and cried. You can hear for me, this is heaven in the background during an interview they shot with one of their friends. We were on stage and all I could hear was from behind inside the backstage tent. 
people yelling GBV, GBV, <laughs> GBV, and that will come back in some tweets that I'm going to read. From. Oh, sick! Um, what and what year was that 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 quote came from? Uh, that uh, well, that show with the GBV, GBV, GBV. I don't know when that show was um, because he's remembering a show they played at Ohio State. I can see if I can pull that up uh, while maybe you chat about something. Well, I was just looking at the Go Big Casino set list at Modified Arts in Phoenix, Arizona. Uh-huh. So this was end of the year, 2001, December 27th. And uh-huh. this is, I mean, Go Big Casino at this point, that's that whole, uh, uh, the entire, the attendance of the band is like flowing, right? It's Jim and whoever's pretty much around. Yep. And uh, so it was 11 songs at Modified Arts. It uh, They opened their set with So Proud of You. And the, the ones that aren't mentioned as covers are probably originals for Go Big Casino. So, so proud of you. Uh, uh, the second uh, track was Richmond again. Then they started covering Jimmy World. They did A Sunday, When I Want. And then uh, the fifth song that they did was Game of Pricks. Yep. Then they did Spangle. Seven was Candy. Oh, actually, Spangle was the wedding present, and then which we recently did. Uh, seven was Candy says of the Velvet Underground. So talking about, did you mention that earlier? How you felt like Guided by Voices reminds you of the Velvet Underground? What was it that? Uh, no, no, it was uh, um, um, uh, Dandy Warhols. Dandy Warhols. Okay, but I would put Velvet Underground. Yeah, in that right. Same. I feel like they're in the same in that same. It occupies the same space in my brain. Right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maybe that's just, maybe that's me being ignorant, but it's like I have the same thought as Velvet Underground and and then the Dandy Warhols, all of that stuff is and yeah. Until someone tells me differently, I'm gonna think that same Poppy thing. Poppy indie. Uh-huh. So seven is Candy says, uh eight is no Christmas, uh the wedding present again. Uh number nine, the track nine is ten. <laughs> <laughs> Which bugs me because it's the same placement on uh Clarity. On Clarity. Then we've got ten, your house which is not the 2007 version, unfortunately, David. Thank God. Uh-huh. And then 11 is Power. So they close out their set uh, with uh, with yep. one of their originals, so Power. Last edit was by Jacob <laughs> on my birthday in 2016. Yeah, there you go. Um, so, yeah, uh, what was I going to say? Oh, so uh, since we brought it up, let's go ahead and play a little bit. I have some more notes, but let's play a little bit of Jim playing at Modified Arts, December 27th, 2001. Um uh, this song, Game of Pricks. All right, here we go. Something my first grade uh, teacher taught me is poetic license. You can do whatever you want to, and it's okay. Like, uh, play a Guided by Voices song. <laughs> So long, I wonder how you keep track of me. Oops. I'm pulling a a went right now. I've cheated so long, I wonder how you keep track of me. You can never be strong. You can only be free. But I've never asked for the truth that you hold that to me. The game of tricks with knives in the back of me Can't call you or run you no more while they're attacking me I'll climb up on the house Oh, we to water the trees 
Now when you come calling me down, I put on my disease, yeah. Yeah. So good. <laughs> Sounds nice. I mean, I, it's rare that you hear a recording of an artist you know, messing up or something like that, right? Yeah, right. It's always the polished one. But yeah, it's a human being. He's a human being. So I did tweet at Zach tonight because uh, uh, what did he what did he post? He posted. Let me pull it up. He posted uh, and it reminded me. I was like, oh, shit, I didn't ask Zach. Uh, Zach says that was a very good game two hours ago. And I was like, oh, shit, I didn't ask Zach about Game of Pricks. <laughs> so uh, I tweeted at Zach. Uh, what did I say? That was a couple of hours oh, ago. Interesting. Maybe it never went through. Maybe that's why I didn't get any. Uh... Was he? Re- well, I did say I swear this had nothing to do with the uh, with your tweet. But uh, <laughs> what, got anything cool to say about Game of Pricks? But wow, I guess I didn't send it. Did I send it from my personal account? Now I need to know. Uh, OK. Was he? Do you know if he was speaking in uh, reference to the Kansas City Chiefs game? <laughs> I have no clue. We caught the tail end of it, and I don't watch sports, but this was intense. It came down to two seconds and a uh, and a um, field goal, right? And uh, they got it and ended up Kansas City Chiefs won forty two to thirty six. So it was uh, it was one of those where it came down to just a couple of seconds i'm i'm wondering if that was the game that they were that he was speaking in reference to since it was Who only knows? a few probably. hours probably if it was just a couple hours ago that's probably it yeah who the chefs man who the chefs i'm really surprised that that i guess that shit didn't go through amazing look at that well you know sometimes maybe twitter's helping me <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure you didn't want to hear that happy shit accident huh <laughs> uh, anyway all of that is to say that I did go ahead and do a deep dive on all of the bands, uh, Twitters, and found a couple things. One of which, this is I, I thought maybe this is why Zach didn't respond to me, but apparently I didn't even ask him. So, uh, Guided by Voices, July 16th, 2020, says, Rehearsal at Rockathon. Web concert will air at 5 p.m. Eastern tomorrow, Friday, 7-16. Also available, streaming on demand for four days to follow. Don't miss it. Uh, and so, this is a COVID concert that they did in July of 2020. Uh, if you click on it, they're all sort of sitting uh, in a garage, it looks like. Um, I'll send you this picture. All right, here. hit me. Um, and uh, anyway, you know, you doing, it's uh, about what Jim and Zach were doing, although this is a full band, but what Jim and Zach were doing at the very, very beginning, before even the keyed versions of the concerts that they did. Um, and so... Uh, Somebody, Tim, Timo, Timo Dozer, uh, tags, uh, Adam Lazara, Kevin Max, uh, Zach Lynn, Me Without You, Pianos Band, Seer Believer, Happy One, anyway, and Zach says, can't believe they're charging $20 for vocal mic only PA band practice, <laughs> and uh, I kind of love that shade. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that was, I, I, I thought, oh, maybe Zach doesn't like them so much. Um but I, I actually don't think it had anything to do with that. Okay. Uh, next is Jimmy Eat World, uh, February 28th, 2009. On the bus, leaving for leaving Chicago for Denver, watching the Guided by Voices DVD of their last show ever at the Metro. Feeling inspired. And uh, let me pull up this tweet, because this is like a follow-up to that one. Uh, February 28th, 2009. Yep. Uh, so that first tweet was 10.08 p.m., 
at 1045, truly amazed at how drunk Guided by Voices are on this DVD. <laughs> Takes a certain kind of athleticism to be that drunk and, and still play music. Right. <laughs> so good. Um, and finally, there is a tweet here. I think this is probably nothing. Yeah, this is Jimmy Eat World using the twit.fm. Uh, Jimmy Eat World Game of Pricks Guided by Voices cover uh, twit.fm. 78208 hashtag music monday gbv 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 that was what i wanted to say was going to come back around oh there it is uh, yeah and let's see if this uh let's see if there was any good remember we found out that those tweet fm links sometimes had like comments and stuff so let's take a look and see if we can see any of these comments great network error while fetching of course Uh, crafted on a rainy Sunday. Well, it's really poorly archived. Yo, Jimmy, World is using Twitter to use trailer music. And yeah, I guess, I guess there's one comment maybe. And it says crafted on a rainy Sunday. I don't know. I don't get it. Can I see it? <laughs> oh, yeah. Let me see what it, Let me, uh, just so I can take a look at it and see what it says. Apple tea. Hit me. <laughs> no, you're not allowed to see it. <laughs> Okay, yeah, this is what I thought it was. Twit.fm. Twit. Yeah. Yeah, it's just not like loading any yeah. sort of like CSS or something. Nothing. I'm pretending I know it all that. You means, you so. know what? You hit it. There's no styling whatsoever. There it, just... it is. <laughs> the style sheets. Come on, I'm loading. <laughs> yeah, aesthetic theory. So yeah, I, I can't tell if those are Twitter users or what. All right, what am I going to say for this one? This is uh, somebody born in this year is older than us. <laughs> OK, 82, <laughs> 81. Uh, this is on Jake T. O'Donnell's list at number 81. Game of Pricks, BBC Evening Session 2001. Here is a cover. This one of a classic from Ohio lo-fi. This one of. This one of a classic from Ohio Lo-Fi Masters Guided by Voices. As I mentioned before, I debated if it was the right thing to include covers on this list, but I think you'll discover that these efforts are among the best work they've done and can't be ignored. For Game of Pricks, the Jimmy Eat World version is slightly faster than the original and clocks in at just under two minutes. In that time, the band spins a perfect encapsulation of where their sound at the time, as they, or their sound was at the time, as they worked on building Bleed American up. It's got a fantastic ringing guitar line through, uh, throughout and doesn't hold back in his rendition of Robert Pollard's Simple Rocker. So that is Jake T. O'Donnell's blurb for uh, Game of Pricks. And uh, what do you got? Did you happen to community? click? Did you happen to click on uh, the aesthetic theory? No. So go ahead. If you click on Crafted on a Rainy Sunday by Aesthetic Theory, it's kind of neat to see what Twitter looked like in 2000 oh, back then. So yeah, this look at this. This individual, Friday at the office, about three hours ago from web, Friday at the office, jamming Jimmy World Futures just tonight via Twit FM. So and, funny. But this is interesting. So you look on the right, name, Lee Martin, location, Hollywood by way of Chauvin. Uh, I'm going to check this website. I want to see what the website looks like. Uh, but they have a biography. Develops websites for rock and roll bands and gets paid in sex and drugs. Uh, 145 following, 1,579 followers, right? You click on his account today, and it's still Lee Martin, still at Aesthetic Theory, but it says zero following and 14 followers. 
What what happened? I don't know. I don't know what happens. And there's no picture. There's nothing. It's like the oh. it's like the and it still says joined in. Uh, I guess this one. And says, then it says we've moved. Yeah, I and guess he's got another thing. He's got fourteen point eight thousand uh, followers. Oh, I guess okay. they all went, man. Maybe that's it. Look at that. LeeMartin.dev. Okay, netmaker playing I the hit internet. Him with a follow. Check it out. Yeah, look at that. <laughs> SoundCloud's a previously silver artist, man. So oh, S A M. Oh, there it yeah, is. Yeah, right there, Silva. Right. Interesting. Followed by Jimmy Eat World so and Zach Lynn. So is he the one that tweeted the twit.fm? Yep, he is. Dude, you nailed it. Boom. There we go. Holy crap. Twoted. <laughs> and then yeah, Zach follows him, the band follows him, yeah. and this guy Alex Strickland follows him. And look at this, man. I need a band whose name is closest to Wordle so I can pitch them a themed Wordle clone <laughs> concept. Is it just Foodle, Foodle for the Food Fighters? <laughs> uh so so apropos. So. Wordle. Wordle's great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, good. I'm glad we figured that out. <laughs> I'm gonna say, what about a 13-letter uh game? <laughs> <laughs> what up lee martin yeah what right. up <laughs> <laughs> that's good wow what cool. a great like relic of the past yeah right that's great cool. uh <laughs> I, I have so many old twitter tabs open now uh so i did go to steve's rare music's post he had uh post, the band has this up now uh, but they don't have a comment section but steve's rare music does he posted this june 29th 2009 and there's a lot of great comments here uh the floor fell away says i often find that i'm pleasantly surprised by jimmy Eat world always thought they were a blink 182 light may have re may have to reassess my musical opinions quality band uh luke jones 1104 says i'm shocked this is a great cover uh mesisterial says i've oh just put the lyrics uh, small villainer two says sounds like a higher quality version than the original. Holy shit, the vocals are spot on. So yeah, lots of great stuff in here. Um, guided by voices, lots of traction here. How many views? Sixty thousand views on uh, seventy four comments on uh, Steve's stuff. Let's see if bad. Uh, nope, badass cover. <laughs> Terrible. Nope, nothing. Uh, horrible. This is horrible. <laughs> Got it by voices, did it best, says Emily Woodford. And Alaska American Patriot says, this is great. They add their own flavor to it, which is how a cover should be. Uh, man, L M Emily Woodford. Uh, I don't know. Looks like a normal ass person, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah. Uh, any other community stuff? Let's see. I've got uh, ran uh, so a couple from Reddit. From 11 days ago, random poll, your new aesthetic, demo version versus Game of Pricks by Exile on Dayton Street. Okay. Oh. Okay. So I have that other Google Forms uh, poll up in another post, but Reddit just threw up a window here that said subs had 4,000 visitors a week and to make a post, so I'm guessing we've got a low post-to-visitor ratio. True. Um, hopefully some of you live near where the dashboard tour is going to be. I wish I did since that'd be one hell of a nice trip back to 2002 for me in the <laughs> interim. Here's another poll with some obscurities that maybe you could revisit your new aesthetic. This is not the version you've heard on clarity. It shares some lyrics and very little else. Definitely give this a listen. If you hadn't before, that's the one we listened to that I was surprised with. I didn't know it was so different from your, the actual, your new aesthetic, right? Uh, right. That was the one released on Jimmy World EP. Uh, and then Game of Pricks, recorded live from a BBC studio session and released as a B-side to Bleed American cover of a Guided by Voices song. And it uh, doesn't look like there's much commentary on this, 
but Exile on Day Street commented on their own. Uh, I was very surprised when I found a demo of your new aesthetic. Um, I have a complicated relationship with Guided by Voices. I like their songs quite a bit, but I can't get behind the lo-fi aesthetic. See what I did there? So I prefer <laughs> this version of that song by a wide margin. Honestly, usually don't listen to Guided by Voices outside of Isolation Drills and Do the, do the Collapse. They're two records that are actually, you know, produced to sound nice. Kind of a tough choice here. I could go either way, but I'll tip my hand towards Game of Pricks. So that's that was what they said. Um, think and 180 do. Yes. Yeah. I I came across this. Well, that person gave me the wherewithal to know that there was a Tiger Bomb version because that that well that comment that comment made me realize. Oh shit! There is another version. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, I can. Re- well, I'll read the comment then. Yeah. Okay, I like the idea of voting on obscure songs, but I feel like this is kind of an unfair comparison. I think voting to compare uh, the better cover song would be better, like Game of Pricks versus Half Right or something. That would be a tougher decision, in my opinion. The demo version of YNA seemed to fit clarity a little more than the official. The official has more of a post-hardcore sound, which clashes with the gentle indie emo. Um, One thing I wonder about is the influence of Softer had on the demo versus the original version. Softer is a song on that same EP as the demo and had an edgier sound. Uh, on another note, the Jew version of Game of Pricks is pretty much note for note the same uh, as this version of song by Guided by Voices. It has more production if that was what was throwing you off about the song uh, GBV Rocks. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, there you go. That's the yeah the Tiger Tiger Bomb version, <laughs> which I, I was personally more familiar with when I popped in. If I go to, let's say I go to Spotify and I put in uh, Game of Pricks, Let's see. Uh, the yeah, so it goes in order. Actually, it goes in order from the BBC Evening Session from Jimmy World. Then it goes to oh, what's the name of that album? The one that we just looked at. Alien Lanes. That's it. So then it goes Alien Lanes, and then it goes that one that uh, I had heard. Yeah. Tom. And then another. So now version. I'm looking. I'm I'm really really digging in. So it was Columbus, Ohio. I'm trying to find other shows that they played in Columbus, Ohio. With I'm trying to find that show. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> uh huh. Could it be Value Center Arena? Uh, December fifteenth. So I noticed that they played that. This is the Weezer Tenacious D tour. My guess it wasn't on that tour. It was probably later. Let's see. They played Columbus, Ohio, July sixteenth, two thousand two. I think. Oh, no, that was a month after I graduated high school. I was like, that's the day I graduated high school. Um, so let's say July 16th, 2002. Now we'll see if Guided by Voices also played July 16th, 2002. Yeah. Pardon my clicking. They only load so many uh, shows per page here. <laughs> that's okay. All right, I'm in November which, 2002. Which site are you checking? Through uh, Setlist? Uh, Setlist, yeah. Oh, okay. So July 30th. Wow. Oh, Warp Tour was there. So it's like a zillion. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good luck. All right. Uh, July. Oh, uh, John Mayer was there the next week. All right. July 16th. Nope. I got Desparacidios. Desaparecidos. That sounds right. Uh-huh. And Jimmy Eat World, but not uh, GBV. Yeah. So let's see. When else did they play GBB, Columbus GBB. Value? Uh, I mean, there was this Value Center City Arena, but it would be weird that Guided by Voices played with them and Tenacious D and Weezer at that one stop. Right. Yeah. Uh, and the next time they're in Columbus, Ohio, was at the Newport Music Hall when Jim was recounting that other show. You know. 
So let's see. Uh, Cleveland, Cleveland, Columbus. Woody's Tavern in 98. I mean, that, that seems weird that that would be somebody's last show, but let's go ahead and check Woody's Tavern, April 14th, 98. I mean, there are only two shows ever marked there, and that was Jimmy Eat World in, two, in 98 and 21 Pilots in 2010. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so I've got one more possible show, which is Sudsy Malone's. Now, I've heard of this venue. I've seen a Blink-182 show pop up online from Sudsy Malone's. So let's April 13th, 98. Let's go all the way back. Here. Sudsy Malone's Rock and Roll Laundry Bar, Cincinnati. <laughs> wow. I better be able to do laundry and see a show. <laughs> <laughs> wow all right so when was this date april 13th 98 april 13th 98 now all i've got is uh jimmy world yeah fuck played sudsy malone's march 23rd <laughs> 1998 um but yeah i'm not finding this dual show bummer uh current sure if use. I took a little bit more time but current use demolished <laughs> that's a bummer <laughs> opened in 86 closed in 2008 that's a bummer Good old Sudsies. Where did he say they played? Columbus? Yeah. That's what I'm looking at? Yeah. Okay. Oh. All right. So that was in Cincinnati. Columbus, Ohio. Let's see if I find anything. Got to avoid now. No. Return of the stage in Ohio. No. No. Nah, it's not pulling up anything good. Hmm. Newport Music Hall. No, that was, that was him recounting the other show. Eh. Oh, well, I guess, you know, what we could do is find the show that was what's his name's last show, right? I, I, I don't know why I want to find this so bad. <laughs> well, you've got you put so much time into it. Now we have to find this. <laughs> Greg Demo's last show, GBV. Well, keep All looking. Right. Um, this was released. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm finding it. November 20th, 2001. <laughs> uh, and it was at Springfest at Ohio State University. In May of 99. All right. So I'm going to find the set list if I can. Okay. All right. You go ahead. Keep going. All right. So I had one other thing that I that I came across with uh, on Reddit, which was from a year ago by Deleted, of course. Yeah. Uh, happy Election Day. Four years ago, our guys released this badass anti-Trump track, When Else Has Their Music Been Political? And they're talking about My Enemy, 30 Days, 30 Songs. And, uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. And look, at they picked that. I love it when they do this. So they picked 143 as the time that they took the screenshot of their um, <laughs> of their Spotify. It takes me back to pager days. Uh, okay, <laughs> yeah. so Aww, Paul... I love you the, too. <laughs> Paul the Allen, the top comment on this. Futures, of course, which that's the first, that's the first place my mind goes to is futures. Uh, then congratulations and criminal energy. And they contributed a cover of Game of Pricks to the future soundtrack to America, which was obviously a political statement. Which I don't know about that. I think they just, he likes uh, Robert Pollard, but, and appreciates his music style, but maybe it was uh, just timing. And that was it. That's all I got for uh, my mentions on Reddit. All right, so here's all I have from from anything about Springfest. Now, this actually might be a review of the end of it. Let's see. Okay, Uh, the most that gets said about Springfest is uh, thelantern.com. I believe this is probably an Ohio State University outlet. Um, They mentioned Jimmy Eat World. So it says, uh, scheduled to perform on the Ohio Union West Lawn slash underground stage is Jimmy Eat World and literally no other bands you've ever heard of. And uh, 
somebody was excited to see Guided by Voices, which will be the headliner of the underground stage. Um, and uh, then there's this Spring Fest Cure for Test Time Gloom. Tomorrow evening begins the third annual Spring Fest. So, wow, nah, this is even just them saying that and nothing about Guided by Voices or Jimmy Eat World in this article. But uh, cool that I found out when that show was. Yeah, finally. <laughs> that's about all I've got. And <laughs> Thank there's, goodness. Uh, I don't think there's any... Uh, reference to that show on setlist.fm let's see where jimmy world was in uh may of 99 there's only 89 shows shown here 66 of which were in the united states and in may crazy fest blockbuster pavilion charlotte north carolina and then june 1st that's interesting June 1st, they were in Atlanta, Georgia. How did they play spring? The the date on that other article must have been wrong. May, June. Yeah. Huh. But yeah, they're in uh, Crazy Fest 1999, the bottleneck in Kansas, Tennessee. Uh, They were in that That area. area, Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Just no information about that specific Jimmy Eat World show. I wonder how it went. (laughs) I guess if we want to hear anything from it, we can watch that uh, DVD. What's that DVD called? What did he call it? Uh... (laughs) This is all good stuff. No, uh, <laughs> DVD called The Who Went Home and Cried. Ah, thank you. <laughs> okay. I'm still going to find more content about that, but you go ahead. Uh, okay. Well, uh, that's it for the community stuff that I had. Um, we were talking, I don't know if this this came up on the front of it, but we talked about a little bit about Scrubs, right? I think yes. that I'll, I'll be able to include that on the front end of the whole thing. Um, but you were talking about uh, Brendan Fraser's uh, story arc because the yes. episode that I remember seeing with Hold on Hope had Brendan Fraser at, at the end. And uh, I, yeah, I, my whole experience with Scrubs is like patchwork. You know, it's like a patchwork quilt of like it's skipping <laughs> around season to season, unfortunately. And so when you asked me the question, do you know what happens with Brendan Fraser? And I, I mean, I knew what you were getting at. And so, uh, it's hard to see a character on screen and then know that they're gone. And I try not to. I know it's it's the the way that they do the episode is so well done. Yeah, still not my favorite Scrubs episode, but it's definitely up there. It's top five for sure. Yeah, do you think I could watch it out of sequence? <laughs> yeah, I, I think so. I think it would be more hard hitting if you sit with Doctor Cox and get to know his relationship with his brother. But for yeah, closure on that story arc, sure, yeah. <sighs> Did you want to play a little bit of that scene? Or? Oh, sure. Why not? I love a scrub scene. Yeah. All right. We'll listen to it. I had that up from the beginning, right? So this is season one. Yeah. Here we go. Oh, sorry there, giant 70s security guard guy. Cold out here, huh? Yes. Ugh. You can hang a friggin' raincoat off my nipples. Left one, at least, and the right one's just a little shy. Sticking with the weird thing. Huh? It works for me. <laughs> Listen, um, you guys wouldn't be keeping me here if there wasn't something potentially wrong with me, would you? No, we wouldn't. Hey, I want to ask you, um, how come this guy is always following you in the pictures? Oh my god. Him. You want to see the rest of the pictures I took today? Yeah. Hey, <laughs> Good, 
Dr. Cox. Carla, huh? Yeah. What a cute couple. The best. Invitation to the last dance. Then it's time. Yeah, doctor writing down his findings from the slide. The blood. That's the price we pay when we deceive one another. Good news, man. Hey, Sadie, what? Let's get a picture together. Uh, it was weird how everyone had come to see Ben off. Everybody? After all, he'd only been here one day, and there wasn't even anything wrong with him. Wait, why would you want a picture like that? I thought you said that posed pictures aren't real. Come on, JD. None of this is real. You know that. Oh, God. What do you mean? This is what it, when it hits you, man. Stop looking for trouble just because you like this patient and face the facts. Either your instincts are right or your brain is trying to protect you from the truth. Do you actually think I made a mistake or do you just wish I did? I kind of wish you did. Fraser with the wink, man. <laughs> I swear. That show can turn you on your on your feet, yeah. man. Gosh. Yep. So it's interesting. Yeah, uh, yeah. You should watch the other. It's called My Screw Up. It's season three, episode 14. Got it. Probably hit you like that one does. Yeah. Ugh. Good stuff. Uh, what do you got, man? What else do you have? Uh, I mean, yeah, I just have the, the survivor numbers. It did not fare well. So. Yeah. Um, uh, okay, uh, do you have any covers? I do. I picked, so I got a lot, and I'm sure a it's, lot? Be, it's oh, because I went, yeah. I only found. But how many did you find? Two. Okay, and those are official Jimmy There's World labeled covers, um, right? Well, I had found one before I found the Tiger Bomb version. Uh-huh. So I thought this was more of a Jimmy World version. But they are sort of like, this is a band that you hear sort of in the scene. It was never my band. I don't know any of their songs. Uh-huh. Um, but it's this band, Touche Amore. And then uh, our boy Sugar Pill right. does a play along. Yeah, I like Sugar Pills. I got his. So I, I greenlit uh, six of the covers All right. of my to town, baby. 20. So let's start with Sugar Pill. Sweet. I will copy and put him into watch together now. All right. Hit me.
we have yet to see uh, Sugar Pills. Never seen this. Right? Never seen, Never seen the lad's face. Nah. Um, three comments on this. Uh, this was posted February 27, 2015. Um, he did have, uh, I don't know if he had a Patreon or if he went back and added all this uh, stuff after the fact. This is pretty low fi for him. Um, but uh, Atari Jawa 462 says, technically, it's a cover of a cover. It's a guided by voices song. Good job, though. Um, Actually. Exactly. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, terrific. I love that. Uh, that that guitar reminds me of like December Underground era AFI. Yeah. Yeah. Um, sweet. Uh, and then uh, I, I, do you want to hear the Touche Amore? Cover? Yeah, because I don't have that one on my list. Sweet. Let's listen to Touche uh, Amore. Send this. It's a Bandcamp uh, oh, okay. link. So I'm sending it directly to you. Here we go. Oh, there we are. Touche Amore. I'm going to have to listen to the whole thing. All right, here we go. Like that bass. Yeah. Los Angeles, man. Man. I like the clean vocals. I don't know if it's Barry Johnson doing the screaming. Yeah, I'm not huge on the screaming underneath it. If they just had him, yeah, man, yeah, Kings Road merch. Yeah, man, <laughs> they got a couple. They got a show here in LA coming up uh-huh. at the Belasco, March 5th. Yeah, go see Touche Amore. I'll see you there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, serve me up some uh, some more hot cubs. Uh, here we- <laughs> I will never say that again. No. 44J-Pod. All right. right. This is Artists in Residence. Check out the production quality of this one. This one looks really good. I feel like Madonna. Oh, yeah. Uh, They got their 5D Mark II out. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, for sure. You can tell because they're manually focusing.
great picking, man. Yeah, man. You can never I be strong. I know I've mentioned this before, but the whole aesthetic here makes me think like this place is in Silver Lake. <laughs> oh yeah, totally. <laughs> the way the lights hit, Nama. Yeah. Everything. Beautiful, Mo Kenny. Beautiful. Um, I got a guy playing out in the woods. Yeah, I love a woods guy. Yeah, this the is woodsman. Elamantra. Yeah, you know, and this is I. I think <laughs> it's funny, man. I know that we're uh, we're gonna be hearing this for the rest of our lives, but this this cover was like I think it was two thousand twenty one ish. So it's kind of one of those comments like, "Hope you're all staying safe out there." Yeah. <laughs> You know, that's the uh, 2021 version of uh, Sorry, It's Been a While. So yeah. Video. Hope you're doing good and staying safe out there. I'm out here in these woods to play a couple songs. Oh, shit. For you got a 12 string. Uh, this one is Game of Pricks by Guided by Voices. Hope you like it. Oh, language, dude. <laughs> <laughs> waited too long to have Sounds great. Yeah, man. <laughs> language. like an inverted power chord right here that one right before the d not this this is just the part chord i don't like part chords they're hard <laughs> that one the first one no it's just an e right here oh it's like an inverted power chord on like the g sharp uh. Missed opportunity to uh, swing the guitar. I love when people do that. Oh, I used to do that on stage. Yeah. <laughs> I never did the uh, Fall Out Boy would always throw it forward, and that made no sense to me. I'm like, or you're, you just drive your neck right into the floor. <laughs> um, I threw it behind me, uh, and you always had to like kind of know when you were going to do it so you could uh, – I, I wasn't cool enough to have wireless uh, guitar. Uh-huh. Um, so you'd have to like position yourself on stage in such a way that the cable was free to, uh, to twirl. Right. Yeah. And make sure there was no one around you. Right. Yeah. Um, that... <laughs> but I remember when we were like, okay, let's go out to the grass. We're going to try this. <laughs> <laughs> it was cool. Um, that was great. Oh, yeah. I okay. I got a cool, another cool one from, uh, this is memory card. This is an interesting one. I liked the style of this one. And also this, uh, the image that they have here looks like uh, backyard wrestlers.
just copy pasta text. What's this? He had heard did not come to pass at the yeah, time. Yeah, he had heard did not come to pass at the time. This picture has the aesthetic of the one, two, three, four EP. Yep. Maybe that's why I liked it so much. It's just odd. Yeah. You know, two wrestlers, bloody one with a bloody forehead. He's Kali Maing, this guy. He's got his like, hand <laughs> in his Kali skin. Ma. Kali Ma! <laughs> when in doubt, grab the spleen. Yeah. Oof. No one really knows how tender the spleen is, man. Look at that arpeggiated piano. Yeah, man, it's cool. I don't know, man. Something about it. The low finest. Yeah, that was neat. I like yeah. it. Um, you know, I have Mo Kenny again. Oh, this is a cool one. So it was Mo Kenny before, an artist in residence. But let's listen to this one. This one I, I have down as a piano. And it's a cool thing with a uh, cool video, too, because I think they're, um, it's somebody riding a motorcycle here. Cool footage. I don't think this is the same one. Yeah, I definitely put down piano. Play this. Come on. Let's see. Oh, cool. That looks like Jim's handwriting, though. Yeah, it does, right? So, same musician from Artisan Residence. I've waited too long to have you hide in the back of me. This looks like an ad for tequila or something. Yeah, I love this. This is great. Why does this work so well? How you keep tracking me. You can never be strong. That's a Honda Goldwing, man. I hope they're in the UK because that guy's yeah, on the wrong, wrong side of the road. I saw a Canadian flag. Yeah. Uh, who are the brothers that make the films that uh, they're always like, sad? Uh, I don't know. I feel like everybody's talking about the Safdie brothers uh, right maybe, now. I know. Is it is it a Coen brothers? Oh, I, I, I wouldn't call the Coen brothers always making sad no. movies, but... It looks like an indie film for sure. Like we're gonna, yeah. Like this is the last ride of their life. This is Manchester by the Sea. Like I've never seen Manchester by the Sea, but I imagine it looks like this. <laughs> Following a a Honda Goldwing up the coast. You know, I'm not one to ride a motorcycle, but if I could ride one that cool, I would. I mean, yeah, that's a beautiful bike. So, gosh, yeah, it's it's hypnotizing. Yeah. You could never be strong. Same camera, I imagine, right? You can only oh, yeah. be free. And I'd never ask for the truth, but you owe that to me. I'd never Yeah, this looks, the wrong side of the road. this looks like New England. Yeah. Nike. 
<laughs> Just do it. <laughs> that was cool. Yeah. Uh, okay, I got one more. Lawrence K. I like this one. This is I put acoustic and awesome. A little more upbeat, I believe. Straight to it, man. Yeah, man. Zelda fan. Yeah, he's got Goku in the back, too. Oh, was that a dog? I think so, yeah. Although that, that picture on the shelf is a little suspect. Is that a shirtless man in a cowboy hat? I don't think he's shirtless now. I don't think, anyway. Maybe he is. Shit. I think you're right. It's autographed, though, maybe. Yeah. Do you play power chords with your ring finger or your pinky? Uh, uh, ring. Interesting. Uh, you know what? I do power chords. I'll play my my pointer, uh, ring, and pinky. Oh, I see. But you're talking about... Uh, like, but he's got his pinky just like hidden behind the neck. Like He's very much just hitting two strings, which is fine. Right. Um, I feel like that's how I used to play like when I started. And then I was like, oh, it's way easier if I just use my pinky. Why do I have to stretch my hand so far? Yeah, Lawrence if K. I, yeah, man. Um, if I'm strumming more than two strings, I'm a narc. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, what, what I do kind of... Um, uh, take the easy route on is you know there's bar chords you say you hate bar chords but it's just so hard you I, know i can't press the strings down like that when you're doing a, <laughs> a, the equivalent of a bar chord on uh the next string so the a string so let's say you move an a up and your bar is gonna be it's not as bad as like a full-on bar chord but like the f i hate play, if, an, if a song uh, has yeah, an f worst. i'm just closing and, the tab yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if it has an f you know what i do i play everything but the index finger along the bar. So I'll play, uh, basically, it looks like a, a C shape, but uh, I just, I'll only play the inside four strings. Ah, but what I was going to say was like, like let's say you play an A up on that A string, so you're playing those three, you're uh, pressing down three. I just smash it with my ring finger. I don't, I don't use three individual fingers. I have such meat hooks that I can't <laughs> do it. My fingers yeah. are so short and sausagey. Yeah. Yeah, anyway. Someone understood that out there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, I made a rave DJ. Yes. I didn't know what I wanted to rave DJ it with. And I was like, I don't know, something will come to me. So I went to our friends at Tune, but and they did not fail me. I was like, yes, I do think this is what I'm hearing. So okay. this is for you, Justin. <laughs> Tune, but <laughs> All right, let's see. <laughs> I want to see what comes in. <laughs> Hit me. Uh, it should be in. Uh, it ain't in. All oh, I man. see is uh, TA, uh, TNA. Here it comes. Teats and R's. coming. All right. So there we go. There oh, baby. Yes. Weezer Eat World. I think it has the same kind of like energy. I don't know if it'll work though. Come on. Come on. Oh, 
such a buildup. Yeah. But it's still Weezer. But I guess underneath it's uh, Guided by Voices. <laughs> so discordant. It sounds like Pinkerton. Yeah. listen to the whole thing here let's listen to mine mine is called game i pricks the book Uh, this is partially because i got i don't know why what put me in the mood for listening to this i think it was because i i recently talked about uh, wedding singer when one of my you know my favorite adam sandler film but uh this yeah this one this song shows up in that uh in that film oh you know what it was it was our conversation with uh, Joyce and her husband liking <laughs> Elvis Costello. Too discordant. <laughs> it's all over the place. Yeah. Sounds like he's scatting. Shulibap! Bam! Boop! Shulibap! Oh, man. Well, Justin, what are. Oh, do you have any other things for nah, me? Nah, man. That was it, oh. dude. That was, that was how we closed it out. Shulibap. What are your final thoughts on the song? Uh, what is this? Game of Pricks by. Bricks. Yeah, I know. I couldn't even get it. Got it by Voices by Jimmy, Jimmy Eat World. Um, I like it. It's okay. Uh, the fact that it's a live recording is impressive, yeah. right? That it sounds great. It's got it, it's very Jimmy World sound, but then you hear that uh, that second recording by uh, Guided by Voices. It's it's very much um, in line with that. I like it. It's probably one I could. I, I'm not going to change it, but I'll listen to it. Yeah, you know, it's a good one. What about you? I've always loved this cover so yeah. much. I was really surprised when I saw only six Scrabbles, but you know my Scrabble history is right. all a mess. When right. I got up to 23, I was like, this sounds a little more like me. Right. Um, I really <laughs> like this one. I've never been 
uh, I, I always forget that it's guided by voices unless we're mentioning it on the pod. I will probably forget tomorrow that it's by guided by voices. <laughs> and I don't know if I'm ever going to go listen to guided by voices, but uh, this was terrific. Uh, and it will always be terrific. One of my faves. And I love that it's live. It's so well done. Um, so yeah, there yeah. it is. Awesome. Well, everyone, hopefully you win in the life game of pricks in life. And you uh, tell all your pricks to be excellent to each other. And party on, dudes! There it is. Here I am. <laughs> never, never did I ever think I'd be sitting down one on one with you at six p.m. Ah. Six p.m. on a Sunday. <laughs> Come on now, all you have to do is call. I uh, apparently so. Apparently so. The levels look that cool. Way. Yeah, man. How are you doing on this uh, Sunday evening? Uh, you know, it's this uh, it's this period in life where nothing makes sense. Yeah, I know. I just looked at your at your page, and uh, Bob Saget passed away. Yeah, you know, that's on top of like Betty White, just almost making yeah. it to a hundred. Almost, almost, just shy. Almost, man. you know, <laughs> and like that's the, the you know, it's like that's what's going on right now. And then on top of that, it's like the you know the the psychotic malaise of life in this moment, you know, it's, yeah. uh, it's definitely not, uh, it's trying, you know what I'm saying? I'm just glad, honestly, that, you know, like I, I'm only going through it with myself. Yeah. Well, my wife, we just had dinner. My wife and I were talking about, so her and I are both teachers. And so she was just uh, saying, we got two kids and it's just like, it seems like every other day we're talking about, uh, we, we had to, because one, our daughter was a close contact. Um, or at least close to somebody that we had to get her checked out. And now we won't know how she's, you know, like what her results are going to be until later tomorrow. It's just like, it's all this stress that we don't want. We don't need. You don't need it. It's not even wanting it. It's like yeah. literally yeah. we're under a pressure cooker situation the right. entire time, man. You know, yeah. and it's these, uh, you know, after two years, our psyches aren't really built for it. So right. it's exhausting, you know? And then also, you know, I mean, I, I and believe me, I am, you know, completely understand the level of assholeness that it takes to say well i'm kind of you know i have to like move shows bro you know when you're a teacher with two kids and a wife like really my problems (laughs) my problems need a little perspective on them you know what i'm saying (laughs) but you know like get a hold of yourself oh man yeah Yeah. but i will say that you know it's the same as any trauma whatever your trauma is is your trauma like it's still been traumatic to go through this experience yeah and i can only imagine the additional layers of trauma that it is to go through it with two kids and with a wife so you have my it's not condolences but you have my empathy and sympathy for you know this situation and you know it's especially teachers my sister's a teacher yeah you know, my sister's a pre-K teacher in at a Head Start program in uh, in on the other side of the country, and you know, it's been really difficult to watch her have to go through this whole thing. You know, because she lives to be in the classroom. Yeah, yeah, and so does my wife. And this it. is the first like a week ago. Was yeah, the first I like time. the fact you didn't. I like the fact you didn't say you. Did. <laughs> I teach adults. Like do my wife is the same way. I <laughs> well, I teach, I teach adults, so it's different, man. I mean, yeah, yeah, I like to I like right. to talk with adults. Um, I don't know. I may move into high school or middle school, but for right now, it's not it's not my my bag. Uh, but yeah, this was the first like a week ago was the first time I've ever heard her in in the ten years that she's taught where she said, "I don't know if I want to go back into the classroom." It's just become so soured for her the whole thing. Yeah, that's really difficult. I mean, I will say that I think. 
that. It's, a, it's actually a joy to see that my sister is very much looking forward to getting back in the classroom, like has actually gone back into the classroom and, you know, has dealt with all the COVID protocols and all that. So, right. Um, it, it's, but it's, it's taxing on everybody in different ways. And, yeah. you know, that's ultimately if you're, you know, your 10 is that, and my 10 is that, you right. know, it's incredibly lonely to have gone through it on my own in a fucking apartment, <laughs> seven stories in the air for fucking 18 months. Yeah. My my perspective was I was like Nelson Mandela did twenty seven years, you fucking dick. Like, and he didn't have Netflix. So shut up, you know. It's like once again, like a little perspective, man. But also, it sucked and it was really difficult. And you know, so anyway, uh, thank you for yeah, thank man. you for your service. <laughs> yeah, of course, man. I try. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's genuinely, you know, your your wife is, you know, one of the people that was really profoundly affected by this thing because of the pressures to put kids back in the classroom because it's a form of child care oh yeah oh yeah that's come up so much yeah even especially over summer we got to see it when we came back in fall and it was still kind of wonky and the parents were just pushing because like who's gonna watch my kid and that's like it's not my wife's responsibility to watch your kid right she's teaching no i mean that's that's part of it but also the system is built on those people, you know, those folks needing their children to be out of the house for those work hours. Right. And the crazy thing is, it's like it's actually the engine of the fucking society. So it really should have been much better handled than it was. Right. You know, right. anyway. Um, so Blink-182. <laughs> world. All, yeah. All the music that we have in common that we enjoy. <laughs> well, no, there's more than that. Um there's definitely more than uh, Jimmy Eat World and uh, Blink-182. That just happens to be the two the two bands that... Points that we know of. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. So the story goes, uh, we both agree, David and I, did, Blink-182 is his top band. Uh, Jimmy, or I'm sorry. And then Weezer was my top band. We both had Jimmy Eat World in our second spot. So we thought, what better to do than create a podcast that highlights Jimmy Eat World? They didn't have one yet. Um, we both we both wanted to learn more about it, and we're like two and a half years into it. We're over 115, 116 episodes now, so we have uh, we're fine. I feel like we're finally starting to hit our stride with them. Uh, I feel like I could have a knowledgeable conversation with you about them. Right, right. <laughs> That's an exhaustive uh, undertaking. Yeah, you know what though? He and I were both family men, and we have carved out before it was Monday nights, and now it's Sunday nights. We're gonna we're gonna record tonight around eight or nine o'clock. But you know, it's one of those things where everyone's everyone goes to bed, we do our thing, and then I cut the episodes. He does all the social posts and stuff, and it, it's been a well oiled machine for a while now. That's uh, I mean, it's it's a it's a unique experience that fans get to now have with music in in this way like you know i i I bemoan many things of the technological leaps in the music industry but i will say that the you know the ability for fans to to share their interest with each other in a really sort of profound way that you know is entirely new to this experience yeah you know and it's it's specifically i think that you know this is one of the things that the covid thing created was like the, the covid content was through the roof oh yeah so you guys are doing you know like did you guys start this because of quarantine or you started before no, we technically started it before so we did october of 2019 so we were a few months ahead oh, wow. yeah so wow so you actually very fortuitously were in it when it started because you, you you know it was sort of like i'm sure it was a bit of a life raft oh yeah for sure 
Yeah, it definitely was because I got to keep in touch with him. He and I were very cautious with, I mean, you know, we, were, we're, we both had the families and everything. Right. So he and I right. were both very cautious about it. Um, but yet it allowed us to continuous, or continuously just talk and keep up on uh, one another. Yeah, yeah, what's going course. on with us. Yeah, that's great. Both in the same part of the country? Yeah, he's only in, he, dude, we're so close. He's in Sherman Oaks, so I'm here in Simi Valley, and we're, we're pretty right. close. I mean, he comes over and hangs out every, you know, couple of months or so. He'll come by and we'll eat some pizza and drink some beer or something. <laughs> I mean, that's a, that's, that's a great way to be able to salvage that or to, to maintain that friendship yeah. in a way when you can't, you know, have, and once again, it's kind of cool that you were lucky to have started it in the before days because that allowed you to have hit a really good rhythm by the time people shut down. You didn't have a steep learning curve. No. Yeah. There were a lot of people starting up podcasts that were asking us questions. Oh, and- I know. I know. <laughs> I know. As my buddy from the Smoking Tire says, turns out that the uh, the gateway to making uh, good content, and good podcasts, isn't the technology. Right. Right. Yeah. We we had and we had and meager there are people beginnings. making podcasts. There are people people making podcasts who should not be making podcasts. There are people. <laughs> there are there are podcasting versions the really shitty local band and i never blame the really shitty vocal band local band i always blame their friends for not sitting them down and just being like like, real talk dave real talk man you are an unbelievable accountant (laughs) but you are a fucking terrible front man and i'm not telling you to stop but i can't come to it anymore dude but i think you should actually stop you're hurting the music like this is too much and i think this podcast is like that yeah I'm hoping that when they see the metrics on it and they see there's there is nobody listening to it, that maybe it is time to hang up your hat, you know? <laughs> no, there's no self awareness or they wouldn't yeah, start. That's and I'm talking about like about like legit celebrities. Like there are celebrity podcasts that I listen to that I'm like, these fucking people don't know how to do radio. Yeah. You have and how many years of experience do you have in radio? 20 years of, of broadcasting in some way, shape, or form. And I've also did two years of college radio, which was amazing. And, I was, and that was like, you know, the beginning of the 1990s. It's when yeah. college radio was like so unbelievably powerful. And to be able to have been there for that was fucking amazing. So that was, I thought my, you know, I, always, I wanted to be a DJ since I, on the radio since I was four years old. Yeah. And I was sort of convinced that that was my radio career when I did college i was like oh that's it i guess that's cool like i did some really cool radio and then got to actually do real radio and now you know this yeah instagram thing which is my favorite radio i've ever done really oh man i yeah and i let me let me tell you a little bit about my uh where were you when you first heard you know christian james hand right so <laughs> i can't remember that's how so long weird. ago it was i was back in the car into the garage and i caught this was on a sunday night it was like eight seven or eight o'clock at night and I caught the tail end of it was something I want to say it was like Soundgarden or it was uh, Nirvana or something, but it was just the, the tail end of it. So it was just the vocals. And I stopped and listened in the car for a little bit before I went in the house and then did a little bit of research and figured out who you were and what the show was. And I think that was around the time you were moving to the morning show with Frosty, Heidi and Frank. And, and yeah. from then I started listening because I wasn't I, I don't listen to terrestrial radio that early. Um, I listen. To, I, <laughs> I, I mean, I can't believe you're up that early, but uh, yeah. So I listened to the podcast Insomnia. format of that. 
Oh, nice. Yeah, the the yeah the SoundCloud. Yeah, exactly. I would go through the SoundCloud, and uh, yeah. for I, I, you know, it's it's just like with Zach and Holly, how he was. Uh, it just seems like people that love your show. That's how they. Sh- it's all word of mouth, man. It's like you got to check out the session IG live. This guy is so good <laughs> breaking all this music down and everything. Uh, thank you. Oh yeah, um, it's it was. It was a very, uh, it has been and still is like a very unique experience to have actually done it. You know, I mean, yeah. I was, uh, I was in, I was in dire straits for the first three months of lockdown because I didn't have anything to do. And I'd been touring extensively for two years. Yeah. You know, I was doing New York, LA, San Francisco every month and had just started Chicago. Yeah. So I was away four weekends of a month constantly churning out shows and doing the fucking job and then that all came to a grinding halt yeah i can tell like now what are you gonna do right right what are you gonna do now dude and um so then you you transitioned into i mean it seems that with i don't know if it was um it's not patreon but i think you have like paypal or something for people to be able to kind of the tip jar and all that right i mean With all of that, I mean, it, it's it's turned around to where this is your living now, right? You're you're doing session IG live full time. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I would be doing it even if it wasn't my living, right? You know, uh, I it's it's as much for me as it is for the folks that are joining in, you know. And the there are days when the music does exactly the same thing to me, where I do not want to fucking sit down. I mean, I take nights off now, but there are nights I'm like I. You know, I need I should go on and I'll sit down and just not want to do it. And then by the end of it, all of the fucking oxytocin and fucking yeah. serotonin and everything that the music produces is fired on me as well. Yeah. And, you know, it, it it's therapeutic. So even if I wasn't making a living doing it, I'm incredibly grateful for the fact that I have been allowed to make a living off of it. Yeah. And I don't know if I've, I've ever come across any other show like yours. Well, thanks. I like to imagine that that's true. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's buried. I, I don't, you know, I, I, uh, no, there, it, I mean, you know, it's like I'm aware of everybody else that's doing things similar. And I'm also aware of people on the horizon who are now about to start doing things. Right. I've but, spent, you know, five years of my life proving that this shit can work. <laughs> and now there's a bunch of people that are like, oh, cool. Well, then I'll start doing it. Right. You're, well, you're, you're going to remain the godfather of this whole that whole genre. <laughs> <laughs> Well, here's the problem. Uh, as a friend of mine pointed out at the Web 1.0 startup I worked at, when oh, the geez. CEO told the CEO told everybody that we were pioneers, and he <laughs> leaned over to me and he said, "There's a fine line between being a pioneer and being the Donner Party." Yeah. And I was like, "Oh, yeah, that's spot on." So I might be the fucking Donner Party. That's what I'm trying to avoid at all costs. <laughs> is being the fucking Donner Party of song breakdowns. We'd be like, you know, the guy that started it killed himself while he was <laughs> no. jerking off he was jerking off with a belt around his neck high on ketamine and he just said oh, something about this he scrolled song exploder on the ceiling in his own <laughs> blood before he died I, you know like when, I, I fear the tragic story that it all might end in Follow, following know, in but, michael hutchins footsteps huh jeez I'd like that, and it would be like you know, three weeks later, I would have signed the deal that would have saved my life. You know, I mean, that's the. I mean, I've got to be honest with you, man. It's the only reason I haven't killed myself (laughs) is because my bigger cliche concern is that I'll be the cliche of the dude that killed himself literally an hour before the phone call, and I'll be that fucking meme story for the rest of my fucking existence. No, I got to stick around and make sure that's not what happens. 
have to die of natural causes or in a room of prostitutes in a place that allows that to <laughs> yeah. happen. What a way to go, man. Oh, shit. Um, well, that's what, that's what Roger Daltrey said, supposedly had said when he heard that John Entwistle died in a hotel room surrounded by yeah. prostitutes and cocaine. And he was like, that's exactly how yeah. he would have wanted to have gone. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing more rock and roll than one of your bandmates being like, yeah, that sounds about right. He's stoked. <laughs> should all wish that greater death on our friends you know what i'm saying like it's a very unique perspective to have as the lead singer of a band anyway back to you no oh no i was gonna ask you uh, i was gonna ask you a question about um so like let's just say one big thing that david and i talk about is is our research like when we go back and we'll spend like we say like a 90 minutes on a track but i i don't know if you've ever mentioned this on any of your episodes do you sit down minutes before the episode goes i i swear i've seen you with a little like note card I mean, what's your research the, uh, like? Well, I have, you know, music has always been the number one priority. So I've had years of subscriptions to Mojo that I've read that, you know, I have Asperger's. So my brain tends to hold on to really useless information <laughs> in most scenarios. You're awesome at trivia, I'm sure. <laughs> I would love to have been the one where they're like, hey, he has Asperger's and he's great at math. <laughs> and instead they were like, hey, he has Asperger's and he's so stupid with math, he's gonna, he can't fucking do any of it. I literally have to, I have to do summer school for math every year of high school. And it got to the point where I went to my guidance counselor and I was like, hey, can we just assume that I'm going to fail it and I don't have to go? And I could just have like a study hall or something. She was like, no, technically you have to fail it in order to be able to do fucking summer school. I was like, this is bent. This is broken. So then I would sit there. This is this is so I, I would sit in my math class just drawing because I knew that I'd be back at the summer. And every day I would finish the drawing and Mr. Subkowski, I think his name was something like that. He would, and maybe that was the, anyway, he would grab the drawing off my fucking desk and walk up to the front with it. So about fucking three months into the semester, he demands a meeting with me and my parents. So my mom, my dad, you know, is, is uh, unavailable. So my mom and I go to the high school and she, we sit in the guidance counselor's office and the teacher walks in, throws these fucking, a stack of these drawings on the table <laughs> and says, this is the sum total of your son's output in math class so far this semester. And my mom just sort of flicked through them on the desk and went, very good, aren't they? <laughs> good, I'm glad she defends I just kind of looked at everybody in the room and was like, I got it, this is why, dude. See what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> what, are you, what else do you expect? <laughs> nature and nurture, I gotta be honest with you. Like, Mom, you know what I'm right. saying? Like she doesn't give a fuck. She just how's the art? <laughs> Pretty good, huh? <laughs> if they were terrible, she'd be like, Can we get him swapped out for an art class? This is atrocious. I know, but, but she knew a, it wouldn't be. You gotta appreciate that uh, that certain level of support from your parents though, but it's, it's kind of a funny story to tell now. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean my you know, my mom was the my mom is the art the artist, but that's what's interesting is that my mom is the artist, but my dad is the music fan. Yeah. My mom has like two CDs. <laughs> Literally. I think she has two CDs. Yeah. And my so, dad is like, my dad's you know, collection is as esoteric as mine is. Uh, yeah. Uh, did So he's had vinyl? He had a lot of vinyl then? Oh, yeah. Yeah. We uh, started in, you know, the fucking 60s. So like he had vinyl that was like original pressings of shit. Yeah. 
My yeah, uh, he was com- he was coming up in a very rich era. Um, my father served in the military, and so when he was over in Germany, he had a friend who had I don't know a tape deck or something. So he would buy <clears throat> albums, record them, play them once, record them on a tape, and then give my dad or kind of sell my dad the the vinyl. So when I grew up, he had this huge. I mean, things from Uriah Heep all the way to Captain and Tennille. Um, I remember oh, nice. looking at Electric Ladyland and kind of, you know, as a boy, <laughs> getting into it's like that. One step above the Sears catalog. I know. It's just one garment fewer on these ladies. You were like, wow. Uh huh. Smokes. What does this sound like? Yeah. So he got me into things like. Sounds exactly I, what it looked like. <laughs> I, know. I don't know why he left it in. I guess he didn't care. Perfect packaging. Yeah. Oh, yeah, man. Uh, <laughs> so I didn't I didn't get a chance to listen to those, but it uh, it intrigued me. So I listened to I don't know when you when you moved out here, but I started listening to Arrow 93 before KLOS. Um, right, right. And then got into classic rock. And then around the same time you were DJing. So this was early 90s. That's when I started listening more to my cousin got me into Weezer in 94. Late 93, early 94, whenever the Blue Album was released, so 94. Um, got into Weezer, and then from there, late 90s, that's when that's when I got uh, introduced into Jimmy World and started listening to K-Rock. And from there, it was just like, you know, it was all alternative yeah. rock for me. Uh, were you an L.A. native the whole time? Yeah, I've been in, I've been in this town since I was born. I just spent a couple a couple years out of it when I could. I had to buy a condo, and I, had, I couldn't afford <laughs> living out here. Yeah, I know. Welcome to that. Uh-huh. Yeah. So it's only getting better. <laughs> I know, it's ridiculous. So uh so was your buddy the one who introduced you to Jimmy Eat World? He so no no so uh that's my one of my great friends that I'm still friends with. He comes over every couple of weeks or so. Uh and uh he was I was the Weezer guy, he was the Jimmy Eat World guy and then we kind of swapped CDs and I got Static Prevails which I still have the original um and it's it was a rip, but I still have the original rip of Static Prevails that um, you know, I don't listen to that one anymore, but I listen to the album on Spotify for sure. Right. So, uh, I was going to ask point. what, um, so with the whole Tuesday thing, Tuesday, Tuesday, did, did so, sounds so horrible. <laughs> I was, I know I, I, so I don't even horrible. like saying Jew. Right. But then you've got it's, Tuesday, I mean, Tuesday. It's so wrong. But the thing is like, that's what's kind of ridiculous about it is that it actually isn't terrible. Yeah, it's not that bad. I don't know. Zach, is that mean you know, Zach's even so the band vocal. is like unfortunate acronym. <laughs> yes, right. We can do about it. I'm like, it's. I'm not meaning to offend anybody at all. It's like <laughs> it works as a name that everyone remembers. Right. <laughs> yeah. There were people. There, the crazy thing was that there were people in the chat, like by week five, that would say things like, "Holy shit! I just realized that Tuesday Tuesday means Jimmy Eat World." And I would look at them and be like, what did you think? I, why would I have named it that for right. any other reason? <laughs> I have no freaking clue, man. I, like, what, it, are you, what are you tuning into that you're willing to overlook because you love the band so much that you're just like, I don't know what this guy means about right. it, but I don't give a fuck because it's Jimmy World. And then the penny drops and they're like, yeah. I remember that moment when you called that guy out and that's <laughs> Like, was, dude, tell me what you thought it was. I wish I could have like split the screen and asked. I know. Person, like, hey, let's just like, take a take a what moment. What did you think I meant? <laughs> it was the lead up to Hanukkah, man. That's what you were getting at. <laughs> it was, and so God, God, I wish I knew that fucking the uh, the audience member who the chat remember who entered in 
fucking one eight Blink One Eighty Tuesday. Because Blink-182 Tuesday, I can't believe I didn't find it. And right. the fact that that dude did makes him a fucking pimp. Oh, yeah. He's a G. For sure. <laughs> Blink-182 Tuesday? Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> so uh, I, my, my favorite Blink, uh, Jimmy World. I don't like Blink-182 Tuesday. Oh, because of Mark and, and Tuesday. Yeah. Um, the uh, One of my favorite. I, I am not a fan of live music. Uh, I have like walked out of more shows than I've stayed at. Wow. Like if 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 by song two it sucks, I'm out. Wow, I can't do it. Like oh yeah, no my and it's it's dire. Like I literally can't stay. It's something about I think it's the Asperger's. Like something about it. So there are there are a few shows that I've been to that were absolutely fucking flawless and will live in my brain forever. And one of those was getting to see. Jimmy Eat Worlds do fucking clarity downstairs in a fucking like hundred person club with maybe 30 people in it. Yeah. And it was fucking insane. <laughs> they deliver live for, I mean, they come from those humble beginnings, right? They're, they're like one of the original DIY, um, not necessarily like emo, but like a, like a rock. Well, they are there. It's yeah. their foundational emo. Yeah. They're not fucking black parade emo that's right. not emo right <laughs> no, there's no fucking link between that and fucking rights of spring i mean other than you know obviously the sadness right. um but yeah i mean well the thing with it was though is that not only did they bring it live but doing those songs right yeah yeah that's the, and that stuff just so, sounds like, so in good in front of people people who like knew that we were there because we were jimmy world fans right this is way before the middle. So the average, the you know, more alternative folks don't know about this band yet. The people that were there were like, e let's do this. And then we watched, you know, fucking however old they were, kids, yeah. yep. do that fucking record. Yeah. Yeah. Lister at that show was insane. <laughs> Dude, I mean, like, how long would it take me? And you just stood there and you were like, Tom delivered at an unbelievable, that wall of fucking guitar, man. It was oh, absolutely yeah. transcendent, transcendent, man. We didn't transcendent. So, so I didn't get to experience that firsthand. Um, but this last year when they did, uh, they did clarity, the Phoenix sessions and you get to hear, I mean, that right. was my first, I mean, I've, I've been to several, you know, uh, Jimmy world shows, but just seeing them do that again in its entirety with the knowledge and, and the experience and the axe effects that Jim uses now, uh, doing that now, right. wasn't exactly the same, I'm sure, as what you experienced. But, I mean, just hearing it in its entirety, the way that they wanted to play it as a band, like, no, I mean, I don't right. know how many takes they took, but. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, they, you know, they didn't have the logical advantage. So that was the thing is that they were playing it as a band. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, and they had, they were fucking stoked to show the world that fucking record live, yeah. man. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, I, I liked, it. I liked fucking, you know, Jim not being cool with me saying, you know, do you guys ever sit around and sort of look at each other and go, did we make a seminal record? And he's like <laughs> fucking sloughed it off, but which is adorable. Right. But nonetheless, that's a fucking seminal record. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I uh, recording. I didn't. I didn't get into that till after Bleed American. So I got into Futures, 
uh, Bleed American, then Futures, and then a few albums after that, and then kind of worked my way backwards and wow. listened to yeah. But I mean, after once I got once I got hold of Clarity, that I mean, it, all bets were off with that. I mean, like at, at several hundred plays at least through that album, guaranteed. I mean, Clarity is you know that's it's a it's a seminal record. Yeah, a million bands have started because of that record. Right. A right. million bands. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it was doing the same thing as like American football and that emo thing with like weird time changes and, you know, fucking bars that did weird things and also hung together as fucking, you know, perfectly crafted pop songs. Right. With more hooks and melodies than you could possibly countenance in a three and a half minute fucking song. Right. And that's so in our in the in the format of our. Uh, of our show you know we'll do like a little bit of a jabbering in the beginning then i'll do a lyric breakdown but we'll listen we'll we'll listen to sometimes when there's we we'll listen to a track that we didn't realize had such intricate guitar underlayment with it's just if it's just left and right channel talking back and forth to each other or if it's something tom's doing and then and then uh you know jim on top of that and then his harmonies those damn harmonies that jim has um, there's there's way more complex that we than we would have ever imagined, and what a lot of people listen to, like when they listen to, like they say, "Hey, play Siri, play uh, GBE World Radio," you know, and uh, they listen to that the top the top uh you know the, the their hits. It's not the same thing as listening to something like Static Prevails or Clarity or even the older stuff with the self titled or their EP or you know we go way deep with our with some of our tracks that we have in here. Yeah, the first time that I heard them was on a drive through records compilation. It was at H Town or whatever the fucking song was called. H something uh, or H other. model. Yeah, H yeah. model. And I was like, this shit is <laughs> I was like, what the fuck is this Fugazi fucking shit? Like and then I saw him and I was like, wait a minute, these dudes are doing fucking Fugazi? Like, that's fucking sick. And some fucking douchebag in the fucking chat room when I mentioned Fugazi was like, this is not Fugazi. I was like, you're a fucking tool bag. <laughs> Go back and listen to H Model. It's a fucking Fugazi song and not in a bad way, in a fucking brilliant California, I mean, uh, Arizona sun-drenched manner. Yep. You yeah, know, they're not looking to fight, but they're definitely going to make a ruckus. Right. And there's a handful of tracks that we didn't realize up until the moment he and I were doing research that we realized they were a cover of some other track that, uh, you know, some right. punk band did in like the late 80s or early 90s. Yeah, they yeah. made it their own. Yeah, they're well steeped in the in the thing. That's why, you know, people who who derided them when they did the middle, it was like, you guys are idiots. <laughs> Because it's the same thing that happened for me with like when The Cure did Just Like Heaven and a bunch of Cure fans were like, ugh. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, A, it's a perfect song. And B, it's going to allow them to live fucking lives that are really, oh, yeah. you know, that they deserve to live. You know, right. like you heard the middle and I was like, okay, so they didn't sell out at all. They just perfected exactly what they wanted to do in the pop version of themselves. Right. We'd all heard things that were hinting at that, and then all of a sudden it goes from fucking Lucky Denver Mint and that other shit to that shit? Right. And you're just like, fuck, did you find that fucking song? <laughs> it's amazing. It's a, it's a, it's a fucking, it's a, it's a work of art. Yeah, and it, you know, some people on, uh, like we're in the Facebook group of the, uh, the Jimmy World fan club, and some people, it, it's like a running thing where it's like, this song is an earworm, we don't like it, but... If we didn't have the middle, we wouldn't have 
probably a handful of these records that came after Bleed American. Well, here's my thing with people like that. I look at them and I say, you write one. You write an earworm that's that good. Right, right. It's not that easy. <laughs> try it. And then, by the way, spend, what, the band have been together six years at that point by the middle? Um, five? Yeah, that's 2001. Yeah, about 96. Yeah, about five or six years. Yeah. Five or six years. So then spend five or six years of your life chasing that song down and right. earning that fucking song and being in a van and playing to fucking 20 people, coming to LA and playing the entirety of Clarity to 50 fucking hardcore fans in a venue that probably could have fit a hundred plus. Yeah. You know, grinding yeah. away. And then the middle shows up and everyone's like, ah, it's a fucking <laughs> earworm. <laughs> <laughs> It's a song that fucking just stays with you forever. Ugh, fuck that. God, you know what I just say? Turn turn your ear for two and a half minutes. Don't don't worry about it. I mean, they'll be on to the other stuff. But this is what made them the I band mean, that they are. Like more than that, like get out of your own way. Yeah. Right. I know. It's just like you, you can't please everybody, man. Like there was that was what was, you know, that I I did get that feedback from people about, you know. That song was for a certain set of Jimmy World fans, but also music fans who were like, like literally the same thing with Blink-182's fucking, you know, what's my age again? When you pull it to pieces, you cannot not respect it. Right. Oh, yeah. You can't. I mean, it's impossible to be like, oh, all of this shit works together and sounds amazing and has a hook that's a fucking earworm and also fits <laughs> into three and a half fucking minutes and has one of the sickest guitar leads to come out of the, that fucking era. Like a like a like a guitar lead where you go. Oh yeah. Play that guitar lead to any one of that generation, and they would be like, "Oh, it's Jimmy Wells in the middle." Right. Right. I don't think I could recognize Kim Tile or whatever his name's guitar solo from Black Hole Sun. I could recognize the the riff, but not the solo from that song. But I could recognize the solo from the middle in a heartbeat. Yeah. Two notes. <laughs> yeah, you know it. You just know it. And people are like, ah, it's an earworm. I mean, but it gave us the band. Fuck off. <laughs> you don't deserve the band <laughs> if you judge the middle. Right. And dude, Jim even posted on his Instagram, I think a few days ago, he was sitting out there, uh, I don't even know where he was, but he was on the slope somewhere, and the DJ was just jiving, playing the middle out there, enjoying himself, and then, you know, Jim turns it. Be in a bad mood when yeah. that song is on. Right. I'd be out there dancing in front of the DJ like, stand. It sounds like what it is about. A song that infuses hope into the people who listen to it and get it and sing along to it and all of that. And that's exactly what the lyrical content of the thing is providing for that right. person. That's very hard to do. That's like walking on the moon, sounding like walking on the fucking moon. <laughs> like you try it. <laughs> And try to make a song that sounds like the thing that it's about. Saturday Night F uh, Fucking Fever. Like, try to do it. Right. And what you do, what I love about your show is you you don't you don't just break down track by track. You go into the the background of the production behind this. Not just the band, but like in this case, Mark Trombino or Gil Norton or most recently with the stuff that I've liked with Justin Meldell Johnson that he did. One of my second favorite, my second favorite album from them besides uh, Futures is uh, Integrity Blues. And then he's also done Surviving and we're hoping, I mean, they just announced they're doing a tour, not a tour, but they're doing a show uh, in Florida very soon. 
But we're all kind of hope the hubbub underneath is like we're hoping for some kind of tour or something for maybe a new album, or at least they're getting money, hopefully making money off of this tour for a new album right. to produce that. Yeah, I mean, it's that's you know, looking at your favorite bands and you're like, oh, what the fuck are they doing to you know, like those guys were smart, like they're also very capable and like the yeah. doing the live stream stuff and all that shit, you know. They were really quick to pivot to that because that just made sense. Oh yeah, yeah. That's they like had the punk rock ethic, right? Yeah, they have never stopped. That's one thing that it never stopped with Jim is that he didn't care if it was a small venue, if he was playing like a, a Buffalo Exchange, you know, back in the day. Right. When it, you know, if it was that small or if it was something like, I mean, he's played Ventura Theater out here. He's done live shows. He's like, he's got the heart of of uh, somebody who doesn't quit, and that's why the band has been doing yeah. so well. Well, I mean, they they all share that work ethic, right? Yeah. I mean, that's that's the you know part of the the thing is that you also look at them and you're like, um, so other band that came out of that era is still together with the original lineup. Oh yeah, right, right. I mean, and I guess you experienced could... and and experienced massive success. I mean, you could argue, I could argue that, uh, yeah, it's not because I was going to say Weezer, but then they've got Scott Schreiner on bass, you know, after Matt Sharp left not the original lineup yeah yeah you're right so I, I don't know if i could i could pull one off the top of my head man it's even more of a fucking accomplishment yeah I'm like you fucking people like don't I, like that's in as a as somebody who's been in bands and i imagine that you have as well yeah you know and people are like you know my joke is people are always like so yeah if, if everyone was like you know what what is it like to be in a band <laughs> and i was like um it's walk into a bar Three people you immediately hate and then <laughs> marry them on the spot. <laughs> what a description. <laughs> That's what being in a band is like. <laughs> yeah, I mean, how, what's the longest band that you've been in? How long has the longest band lasted? Uh, Hummer, I, I have to, I, I think was four or five years. Yeah. And we, and you know, the problem for us with that band was that we, we kept being something that all the majors wanted to talk to yeah so we were living on this fucking drip feed of hope from our first show when mca wanted to sign us and then fucked us around for three months to our finals fucking showcase where we were told that we would fucking we would save capital records <laughs> and then they passed on us three days later and then i was like okay i'm done like i can't yeah. do this anymore this is fucking insane so you know my experience of being in that band for five years was or four years, whatever it ended up being, was also a very extreme version of it, like showcasing for fucking six, seven days in a row. That's how I met Mayer the first time, when he was yeah. like fucking 19, 20 years old. It was at SIR. Well, he was rehearsing, and we were fucking showcasing for the nine millionth time. And we did that, you know, for fucking... The guy that signed... I've told him about it, so I can mention his name. Jeff Sosnow, who signed Jimmy World to Capitol. Uh, he wanted, he was interested in my band. So he came to one of our rehearsals in our ridiculously loud rehearsal hall and or room, room. Yeah. And I was facing away from him. He was sitting on the couch behind me and I was facing away from him singing because I didn't like to sing to them. That's dick. So my guitarist was, one of my guitarists was across the fucking thing from me and he nodded his head and I turned and Jeff Sosnow had fallen asleep on Jeez. our couch. <laughs> oh, damn. Wow, that's terrible. <laughs> Fell asleep on the couch, dude. 
And then I, I threw, I think it was uh, my, another friend of mine, Tom, I think I busted his balls about it because they were hanging out one night. And he said, he wrote back like, yeah, he said, sounds like me. And I was like, <laughs> it was awful. So, I mean, that was the, that's another you know thing that that band has accomplished is this fucking original lineup is still going. Yeah, yeah. Still playing shows, still writing new music. They're not living off of, you know, mid-state fairs where they just do the greatest hits. Right. You know, they're constantly still writing. They're constantly pushing ahead. It's really, you know, it's uh, it's commendable, the career that they built for themselves. Right. And that's that's part and of the we, reason. Uh, I mean, that's the pro- That's why I don't mind. You know, that's why the earworm's okay. <laughs> because it, right. you know, I know. I, it bugged me. I don't. I'm not even really active in that group anymore, just because of the people that. There's some that Dicks. just ruin it for everyone else. You know. Yeah, I mean, and, like, uh, where's the, this musical snobbery is a really bad idea. Yeah, for the most part, the majority of people are there just fine. There's just a couple of them that uh, that would you know bark back and it's like there oh, always okay. are. Yeah, and that's okay. No, I just I just I, I just yeah. turn my ear the other way. Yeah. So you have been. Um, I mean, I don't know how much time you got, but so. You've had a couple of streams of you. You've had someone in, in like in your room or something, and, and you're sitting there just working at the computer. You're doing the production stuff too on your end too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's you know that was how I ended up getting my first stems. Yeah, was because there was a period there in the LA studios where like you and the engineer would be hanging out, and the engineer would be like, "Yo, what do you got?" I got like yeah. three Fleetwood Mac and a Who, and I'd be like, "Ooh, I got a fucking." Led Zeppelin to Queen and, uh, you know, so uh, we were that it was like a pretty heavy trade network that was happening because I was in recording studios because I was produ- I wanted to be a super producer, yeah. you know, and then the problem was, is that the, the, the definition of what a producer was suddenly shifted and producers were really songwriters that just knew how to use Pro Tools. Yeah. You know, and I come from the fucking school of like, you know, the fucking the trombinos. Right. And, you know, more so than that, like the Trevor Horns and the John, the Robert John Mott Langs. Like, I didn't know if I was ever going to be a superstar producer, but I was aiming for it. You know, I wanted to and I wanted to have that career and that career just abandoned me. The minute I started doing records, suddenly it was like you had to be a songwriter and I'm a songwriter. That's a different job. Well, the other day it was, you know, uh, yeah, yesterday. In fact, I was I headed all the way out just to get a, a damn little cord. I know you and cords, right? With uh, <laughs> fucking cords, <laughs> getting getting a cord on my way back. The Mowgli's came on with San Francisco. Oh, right. Uh, I know. I it had. I mean, you did a great job on that. <laughs> Thanks, man. I mean that 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 band uh, that band completely broke my heart. Um, oh. We had. The the band when it started was my buddy Mikey and another friend of mine Pete and they both came to me what they were working at Mikey's dad's yard like yeah. working in the yard for cash over the summer and they they would just write songs and fucking then be terrible at doing the landscaping and then they came to me one day and they were like yeah we've written this fucking song and we think it's pretty dope and they played me the Great Divide and I was like a magical fucking song and basically we recorded the demo version of it by inviting a bunch of the friends in the bands that we knew in the neighbor in the in the 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 area like uh-huh. calabasas kids all, all knew each other and there was like four bands and we basically plundered each of the bands and created like a super group and the Mowgli's was the super group because each of them had side projects that were their original main band yeah and we did that whole record but fucking 1700 bucks we did the whole album and it took 
like a year of my life and it was like an absolutely beautiful experience. And then to hear like San Francisco being the unofficial anthem of San Francisco yeah. is fucking amazing. Yeah. Like there was a, the, when the we're going after the pennant, the year that the record came out or the next year, they used it as their theme yeah. and played it at every game when they walked on yeah. and won the pennant. And yeah. then they won, yeah. and then the Niners didn't, and the 49ers picked another song, and then they lost the Super Bowl, and we were like, that's why. That's Don't why. You know what the anthem is, motherfucker? Yeah. Um, you know? Uh, and then the other thing that was the, – the thing that was really mind-blowing was when the Muppets played Outside Lands, and they did a cover of it. Yeah. And when the Muppets cover a song that you've done, and they're you on know stage you made being it. like – <laughs> I left my and the fun. I'm like, it's animal playing like yeah. the drum yeah. to a song that I produced that I wanted. I watched the Muppets when I was in Africa in like right. 19 fucking 73. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, man. It like, or I was listening to him. We got him on a reel to reel. We didn't have TV. Um, yeah, that was a big moment. We used to get the UN used to send uh, Sesame Street on reel to reel. So there were no pictures because it was government issue. Yeah. So it was just a fucking reel to reel. So I had to imagine what they look like. And then when I finally saw what they looked like, I was like, wait, what? <laughs> this is them? None of them looked the way I'd imagined. It was like a massive shock. I think it <laughs> might have been the big, that might have been like the initial trauma that I've never bounced back from. It was like seeing what Big Bird looked like and being like, wait I, a I no way I imagined that that's what Big Bird I know. Like, like, even if someone bird. says it's a big bird, yellow, but you still can't imagine what he looks like until you see him even have yellow i just had the words big and bird i'm living in africa so the bird selection's pretty fucking thin <laughs> some very weird looking birds devastated man devastated no oh, i was never man. the same again i should sue i should sue yeah. the fucking sesame street and people for what they did to me sending unfucking no pictures with the tapes anyway so yes that was a major moment and and i would you know the thing with the Mowgli's was that it, it sort of proved the point that I wanted to make the whole time, which is that all you had to do was do the drums in a studio and you could do everything else at your house and you didn't have to have millions and billions of dollars of gear. Yeah. You know, there's no real guitar amps on that record. The blood, the, the basses DI'd straight in the vocals were done in my house. And then we did in my apartment. And then we did the thing with that band was that every song had three tiers of vocal. There was the main vocal, then there was the band vocal, which was eight people, and then there was 30 people of our friends that we made a choir out of. Yeah. Because the thing that I did, that I wanted to do with that, like, I didn't, I don't know, so the band went together, and we, we, I watched them, you know, and my, Mikey, who I've known forever, came to me and was like, hey man, you know, I want to do this fucking record. And I had no clue how I was going to make this record until I went and saw arcade fire live and suddenly the whole thing fucking fell together for me so one of the things that i wanted to do is on each song we wanted to have a crowd so it would pre-teach you when you were supposed to sing along when they went live yeah so we conditioned you to this fucking crowd sound so when they showed up everybody sang all the times right the bit which was a lot of the time right disco is like the perfect fucking example of it you know and um, it's I'm really proud of that. One of the greatest comp one of the nicest compliments that I've been paid was there's a place called Swing House was, which was a very celebrated and wonderful 
record, recording and rehearsal facility that I was at with Sirius. And the owner of it is a guy, this guy, Phil, who's been around forever, done everything three times, knows his shit. And we were out in the parking lot one day and he was like, hey, I just found out that you did the that Mowgli's fucking San Francisco song. And I was like, yeah, I did the whole record. And he said, uh, that's the best song to come out of Los Angeles since One Headlight. Wow. Since One Headlight, huh? Since One Headlight. And I was like, dude, that's no, he's like, I'm not kidding. He's like, that is I don't, that was like ridiculous to hear from Phil. Wow. That is <laughs> yeah. a compliment. Man. Uh, it was uh, it was really wonderful because I was really, really proud of that record and that band. And then uh, then it sucked. Yeah. The thing was that I had done the record for eighteen hundred bucks and the deal was that I got pieces of each of the songs. So San Francisco continues to be an ATM. Because anytime there's a there's a movie in an uh, indie film, there's a scene in San Francisco, guess what you can put in there? Yeah. <laughs> if there's a like a TV show where you got a scene in a coffee shop in San Francisco, you know what you can put in there? Yeah. <laughs> That's a fucking ATM. It's right. awesome. It should have been a bigger ATM because that is a thing with that song is it does not have a chorus. It yeah. has a series of verses. Right. It just builds. Unfucking believable, man. Like yeah. when they played that shit to me, I was like, this is mind blowing. <laughs> the fucking hook, the song is the hook. Right. Lost my head in San Francisco. That's not the chorus. That's not the chorus. <laughs> Seven melodies in that fucking song. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I just wish that it, 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 I wish it sounded the way I really wanted it to sound. Yeah. I would have loved to have done that in a big recording studio and really been able to have an engineer who could have made it sound what I wanted to sound like. But the thing is that it sounds chaotic. And that was that band when you've got fucking nine yeah. people on fucking yeah, stage. Yeah, right. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> Total chaos. Total chaos. But also contained and beautiful and brilliant. And when that band was at its peak, we used to do these things called Mana Festivals because I run with hippies. <laughs> and what we did was we would take this place called the Dragonfly, which is a nightclub that our friends owned, and we would take it on a Saturday from 11 in the morning until 11 at night and would have all of our friends' band play on different stages. And then at the end of the night, the Mowgli's would play. And if you stayed all day, you realized that the band that you were now watching that was machine gunning everybody was made up of members of all of the other really insane, cool individual bands you'd seen that day. Yeah. And it was fucking amazing. It was like one of the most rewarding musical experiences of my life. And seeing that band in that club, they would hand out fucking flowers before the show to the crowd and just watching people waving. You're like, what the fuck am I watching? <laughs> it was beautiful. And then they sucked. That's unfortunate, man. <laughs> I mean, you know, it, it was. And then I was reading Glenn John's book, who produced the Beatles and the Who and Zeppelin and all those guys. And I was reading his book and then, I turned the page and the sentence was something like, and that, that's why they're the first band that break, that broke my heart. They always will. And I was like, oh, so break the producer's heart. I've yeah. arrived. <laughs> and, and that's what it was. It was, but it was, you know, it, it was inherently part of the reason that the record sounds the way it sounds is because it's, you know, I worked real. Michael and I worked really, really hard on it. Yeah, I mean, it sounded like, fine. Really. To me. It, took a, said, it took a year. Yeah, a year. I mean, it took a year of recording almost every day. 
kidding. It wasn't like one day here because there was nine people in the band. Right. So I always had somebody tracking fucking this thing with the, the bass on this song. That's going to be the, and then the keys. And it was awesome because you were all just fucking hanging out. But it took a year. And I had these index cards where I would write the, the next thing that needed to be done, like the list of things. And I would scratch them out. And then Mikey would come in and add three to the bottom of the list. <laughs> I'd be like, you motherfucker. <laughs> Three things this week, and now there's three more. Fucking, now there'll be like saxophone, fucking, you know, like bagpipes, and you're just like, motherfucker. Bagpipes? Bagpipes, you son of a bitch. And this was all recorded at your the previous place that you lived? We recorded all the guitars, the bass, the main vocals, and keyboards, and then we did the group vocals at a church at another recording studio. Uh, and then we did all of the band vocals. I think we did all of those at Matt's or Matt's studio that a friend of ours worked at. And in their downtime, they could have their friends record shit. So we went there all like overnight and recorded yeah. all the band vocals. And, uh, and Michael, who's the one of the you know principal songwriters and singers in the band, his voice is so loud that he was dominating the group mic. So I was like, can you just step away <laughs> from the group mic? So he stepped like six feet away from the group mic. It still, still wasn't huh? enough. So I had him stand to one side. So we had to have him behind the baffle. I'm not kidding you. <laughs> behind the baffle with his headphones on. And I can still hear him on the top of every single one of the fucking gang vocals. It's the loudest fucking voice I've ever recorded in my life. It's amazing, but anyway, uh, thank you. I'm glad that that. Uh, yeah, man. Yeah, it still sound. It sounds great on the radio. Yeah. Like it sounds even more chaotic on the radio. Yeah, and the sounds- thing that I will say that I'm really proud of is it sounds like it was a band recording it all in one room, and it wasn't. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you did a it great job like of mixing that, was that together. Re- it's like an organic experience. Yeah, in the, in the, and there was nothing organic about any of it. Yeah. So thank you. I appreciate yeah, yeah. that. You know, there are people where that song makes people go. Oh. <laughs> and the fucking uh that we, we use uh the what we call the blow piano which was like the could the fucking mellow melatonin or something yeah whatever yeah melatonin whatever the fucking yeah. thing is and the reason that that's in there is because new order used one in my favorite one of my favorite new order songs and then there was a band called the hooters uh <laughs> when i was coming up in high school and they uh they had a song called uh and we danced and that had one of those in it and i was yeah. like we have to put that in this fucking song you're right and then it and then it happened yeah no and it's fucking it's so dope because it's it's it does the main and if you want to hear something really cool there's a dj named pumpkin who passed away um and he did a remix of it that's a fucking edm and it is fucking <laughs> sick I can find that on YouTube, I'm sure. You can absolutely find it. It's okay. I'm sure it's on YouTube. Somebody put it. It's fucking dope. When I heard it, I was like, whoa. <laughs> and that's the song that goes, and we danced, right? All right. The ocean romance. That's it. We were liars in love when we danced. It starts with a... That's the, yeah, that's what I was trying to think back. Like, that's the mellow tone. <laughs> and then it goes... The drummer in that band had a yellow drum set, and I was like, fuck, one day I gotta have a yellow fucking drum set. So I'd never seen a yellow drum set before. It was like a yellow Tama. It was so fucking yeah. good. Um, so uh, how, ma- how many songs are in the Jimmy World catalog? Uh, we just looked. Cap- so we're, we're just over halfway. 
They we've got we we just hit 116, so we've got about 230, 240 uh, tracks to do. Left? No, no, no. That's the total. So we got about 100 and 110 maybe to go. Bonkers output. Yeah. I mean, it's it's nuts to think, and we're doing stuff from Orange. So we just did an Orangewood Sessions album, which is just Tom. Um, it's Tom, Rick, and Mason Cooper on the drum. So it's not there's there's no Zach. There's no um, right right. So it's just Jim. yeah, it's just uh, it's early stuff. And so we go through those tracks too. We've done um, we've done B sides, unreleased stuff. So it, the nice thing is that we've got a big network of people that have us, kind of like with you, with your industry friends that um, that give us uh, access to this, you know, stuff that's really hard to find, rarities. Nice. Yeah. Well, I mean, we didn't. I think the bot happened on the middle, but I don't think the bot happened on some of the other stuff. So if you would want when. We're in the aftertimes. Okay. Uh, I will uh, gladly get us all in a room together, and we, we can do one with the three of us. Yep. We will be down we'll for that. Pick a, we'll pick a song, and you know, if you can put it up for as long as it'll stay up. Okay. Oh hell yeah. <laughs> worst thing is, worst thing is, worst thing that'll happen is it'll just get automatically taken down. Yeah. That's what happens. All right. You know, and. As long as you don't have a series of infringements, you're right. totally fine. And, right. You know, like, and yeah, but that was the same thing that I, you know, the happened with Tom Segura. He was like, well, let's just see how long it stays up. And it's still up. You'll probably yeah. get taken down now. Um, <laughs> but he took the risk. He was like, I don't give a fuck. He's like, let's see what happens. Yeah. So, yeah, I'll gladly do that. Yeah, we'll take you up that on you that. you really want to do. It'll be oh, fucking yeah. dope. Definitely. Well, dude, what's up next for you, man? What do you got going on? Well, I have to move the shows from January to March, so that's happening, which sucks because there's nothing cooler than doing a bunch of legwork to get a bunch <laughs> of shows set up and then have to cancel them. That sucks, and then man. Also, yeah, like I three days before I was supposed to leave, I was I was supposed to be going back to the UK to do like four live shows and like five radio appearances. Yeah, I'm on your mailing list, so I get those, man. It, which is a shame to see that. It's like you got to apologize. It's like all the legwork that goes into setting it up just to fucking cancel it. Oh, it sucked. My 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 buddy Julia like setting up all this stuff and grinding away, and and yeah. it's disheartening. It's depressing. It's all the D's. Um, <laughs> but at the same point, you know, a little pers- as they as they say in Spinal Tap when they're standing at. Uh, Elvis's grave and, and Derek Smalls I think says puts everything in perspective doesn't it and then I think it's Michael McKeon says a little too much fucking perspective <laughs> a little too much <laughs> it's very much a little too much fucking yeah. perspective but it's perspective nonetheless um, so I'm hoping to get back like you know everything we're going to try and fire everything up in March you know Wait. the problem now for me is that aware that shit can go sideways in yeah. three fucking days so i don't yeah. know if i want to risk being out of the country yeah right at all the possibility is that shit could pop off at any point like we need stability before i can leave the countries but also i want to go and get things fucking done yeah yeah i, I, I know man you, you know? can't just sit on your thumbs all day man sit on your hands that's why i'm really grateful that the you know there is that the podcast the the instagram thing and then hoping that at some point in the next month, I got a, I have a really important phone call tomorrow that will decide some pretty heavy shit that could be total game changers. Yeah. Stuff. <laughs> awesome, man. And that's, 
great, but it's also like nerve wracking. Said forever that a career, a career in the entertainment industry in any way, shape, or form is just a case of disappointment management. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you've you've had your fair share, so it's. I mean, you just don't want to. You don't want to expect it, but. And like disappointments on multiple fronts, being disappointed in the industry, being disappointed in your bandmates, being disappointed in people that, you know, are in the band for three years and then are like, or two years and like, I'm leaving to go and get married. Yeah, right. We got to try and find a new fucking drummer, which is one of the hardest things to do. It really is, especially when I'm a drummer and I know what it needs to fucking sound like. Yeah. Really hard to find a fucking drummer. Years. It took us a year and a half, and like a bunch of people that's that weren't any good at it. Yeah, you know. And so, yeah, the dis- you know, disappointment management. So I have to mitigate my excitement with like this could all completely fall through at any point. Yeah, it's not a go until there's a signature on the con- on the right. contract, and even then, even then, disappointment can hit at any point. Right. Well, I so, wish I wish you the best of luck tomorrow. I know it's just the thanks, conversation. Man. Yeah. <laughs> For you know, because it would be, it would literally be a, like a complete game changer. Yeah, you know, it would. I would suddenly be able to to really do what this show is supposed to do, and that is, and on a platform that's powerful, that is legit, and would be a game would be a game changer. Like the audience would shift drastically, and I would also be able to continue doing what I'm doing on Instagram. That's awesome. Well, it doesn't matter what the platform is. I'm going to continue to to follow you and tell <laughs> Thank every you. every living soul that I come in contact with, like you got to check out Christian James Hand's show. Doesn't matter what it's called, where it is, man. It's it's an awesome show that has. I mean, and I'm sure you hear this so much, but it has revolutionized listening to certain songs that I've heard. You know, you hear this song ten times in a month, and now I I. I listened to Ario Speedwagon differently because I got to hear, you know, just, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's a great example. Yeah, like man. I got somebody sent me a message the other day about like Hollywood nights is a completely different song yeah. for them now. And I was like, yes. yeah, uh, thank you. I, I will, I, you know, I will openly admit that I did not anticipate that being something that would happen. I didn't anticipate what it would do to the way people listened to music. Yeah, You know, and because as musicians, we already sort of have the ability to listen into material. Yeah, right. I've always been able to, like, pick out the hi-hat, pick out the bass drum. You know, like when I was a kid, my parents were like, he can sing the guitar melodies. Um, so realize that what you're doing by going through the stems is you're actually teaching a really rudimentary EQ to the new listener. Yeah. Where they're like, oh, they don't know that their brain is like, oh, bass is there. Oh, that's interesting. And then the bass and the drum, that's why like I put it together slowly so you can hear each thing. So whatever you were focusing on prior, which is always fun in a in a Jimmy World song is because there's so many arpeggios. Oh, but it's yeah. always really fucking awesome to hear yeah. the way the arpeggios, the interplay of all those things and then Trombino's weird fucking texture stuff and realize that it was going to be a transferable skill. Yeah where you'd be able to take it from a Blink-182 song that you heard me do it to, to a fucking a, uh, name, you know, a fucking Dua Lipa song that you heard on the radio that you're a big right. fan of, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, I can actually break that. I can take like a hi-hat pattern, and I can that fucking what the that cool guitar part that i probably wouldn't have paid attention to before so yeah that was that's been unbelievably rewarding it's to know that you know for 
people who love music but didn't know how to actively listen in that way, they can find a way to learn. And then coming back just sort of like sharpens that skill even further. Yep. You're retraining millions and millions of ears, man. <laughs> Thank you. I, I, as I say, that was certainly never an intention. It's a beautiful side effect. Yeah. Well, look, dude, the rectal I think... bleeding is not a beautiful side effect. I apologize <laughs> no, no. for that. You got to stop it. Stop immediately. That's a side it's effect you don't want. Rectal bleeding and eczema. The side effects <laughs> had nothing to do with me. I apologize. Well, thanks, man. You know, <laughs> I appreciate pleasure, your time, and dude. I will. I, I sincerely mean it. I will. Uh, we'll we'll get in a room together when we can get in a room together, and we'll do a we'll do a song out of the stuff that I have, and you can pick one. Yeah, man. We'll we will take you up on that, dude. All right. All right, man. Thank you so much. You got it, man. Have a wonderful night. Give my love to the wife and kids. You got it, man. Take it easy. Bye.